Oh, hey, hello, hello. This is uh, the, the Thursday that we look forward to every week. This is the first time in the calendar year 2024 we get to rekindle the sacred fire of liberty with Jonathan E. Mord. And there's lots of great updates, uh, lots of discussion points. Uh, if you want your freedom back, you know how to get it? Well, one of the guys that does, my friend Jonathan E. Moore joining us. Uh, we're going to be talking about also uh, some of the history of the dietary supplement industry and the freedom to speak about it. Uh, the, uh, jo Jonathan's been honored by Vitamin Retailer Magazine. There's a lot of history in the late 20th century into the 21st that we'll talk about today. Uh, also, uh, let's see, border stuff, uh, the Harvard thing, the trillion-dollar debt since, well, more trillion. Oh, yeah, there's so much to talk about. Also, our two, Brian Fairchild joins us. He has a book called The Hidden, and uh, he's a former CIA agent, and there's free hidden chapters you can read about. We're going to learn a little bit about the threats that maybe you don't want to know, but we do have to cover. And, uh, you know, if you want to defend freedom, we got to stand strong and acknowledge the threats to those freedoms. Some of them are foreign. A lot of them are domestic. We'll cover them all today on the Robert Bell show right about now. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert show. Scott Bell show. Just reflecting back on um, a bit of my life at the moment as we hit the new year and realizing how much history I've been uh, witness to. And, and many of you, uh, have have uh, especially if you've been involved in the natural products industry or uh, natural health and healing. You know, let's say you're a naturopath, a chiropractor, a homeopath, an herbalist, uh, an energy healer, body work, anything like that. You may have been aware long before the general public, if we can call it, the broader public became aware of the threats to freedom of speech, freedom of speech, freedom of of choice, uh, freedom to uh, choose the healing path or method that you would like or none at all, uh, that has been, well, a reality in 20th century and 21st century America. And as I you know, reflect back on that history that I have witnessed, some from the inside, some from a, as a broadcaster, 30 years now as a homeopath, this is our 25th year broadcasting in the calendar year 2024. I've seen a lot. And one of my best friends through it all, when I first met him, immediately connected with him, is Jonathan Emord. And he joins me again for another edition of the Sacred Fire of Liberty as he is full, full on into the race for the, the United States Senate in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine, someone who doesn't believe in your freedom to choose the kind of healing you want, much okay. less any other freedoms. And he, re, he would definitely resemble what you've written about in the book called The Authoritarians, uh, this Tim Kaine guy. And we need to get him out. We need to get you in. And that's part of the journey together. I didn't anticipate it, Jonathan, but if everybody goes to emord4va.com, you can learn more about what Jonathan's all about if you're new to the Robert Scad Bell Show. So um, the many years you've been involved in natural health and healing and constitutional and administrative law, beating back the FDA world record eight times, and yet still it wasn't enough. And now you're running for the U.S. Senate. Vitamin Retailer Magazine has chosen 30 people that have uh, shaped the natural products industry over the last, well, 30 years since it's been around. And you are right there as one of the 30 people who shaped the industry, the natural products industry. So kudos to you, Jonathan, kudos to the recognition. And I'm just glad to be witness and a friend to all of these efforts that you've undertaken for so long and three decades in, at least in this case, more, longer for you. And since you served in the Reagan administration as well, lots of stories to tell, but I want to acknowledge that and say how cool that is to, to know that they've spotlighted you as well. 
Well, it's very kind of Vitamin Retailer Magazine to do that. I appreciate it. I um, I was flattered and honored by it, and I, I'm kind of taken aback by it. There are a lot of people, you know, who we have encountered over the last 30 years, Robert, who you and I know are indispensable to health freedom. Dirk Pearson, Sandy Shaw, Dr. Julian Whitaker, uh, many others, Dr. Charles Simone, um, I, I, I could list, you know, a dozen if I yeah. sat down and started writing down and you and I would add different people and put them in. But <clears throat> the whole world has been affected. Abram Hoffer discovering uh, the effects of antioxidants. Um, all those scientists who came up with the understanding of beta carotene and its antioxidative effects and of quercetin and of coenzyme Q10 and all the scientists who discovered the effects of omega-3 fatty acids. And I mean, my goodness, we've been rich with a lot of amazing discoveries that have transformed our lives. And um, there are many, many people who have contributed to that. Um, that period of growth, I hope, um, is getting greater, but I'm fearful that because of what government has done, particularly during the COVID era, mm -hmm. has uh, really put the kibosh on a lot of innovation and on a lot of recognition for scientists who've discovered truly great things that can never get them to the market because of all of the restrictions and regulations and oppressive government action that exists in the market today. Yeah. Jonathan, I, I've always felt that the, the, the battle for freedom would be won if we would be healthy enough to have the strength, the vitality, the tenacity to outlast what I would call the bad guys, those who stand against freedom. And they have a lot of power. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of influence. Uh, they own the media in many cases. And of course, we've seen the rise of the new media kind of counterpunch, even though they're that, you know, giant gorilla Sometimes it's not so smart to go head on to something so large, but to, to fight little battles at every level. And again, to, to outlast them, because they count on bleeding us dry, whether it be economically or just outlasting our, our energy, our interests, thinking that, well, they're too big, they're too powerful, therefore, why even bother? Here you are, decades later, not only not giving up, but saying, I'm going to take it to them even more directly by going into the United States Senate. I think at least in part that has uh, a lot to do with the industry you've defended, <laughs> the dietary supplement industry that provides a lot of the nutrition that's not in the food anymore to facilitate our bodies to carry forward when our mind and our spirit are still strong, but the body would like, oh, I'm chronically, I can't keep it going. And so I think about that and a lot of the tenacity that occurs for standing up for freedom is coming from those who have seen their health freedom choices taken away from them over this lifetime. I mean, my whole career uh, has been one of fighting for the underdog, really fighting for those whose rights have been violated by a, a government that's oppressive. And that has included, you know, efforts on behalf of supplement companies and scientists and individuals who are being crushed by abuses of one sort or another from government. And that's been my great privilege. And I just, uh, I'm grateful for the victories we've had. I'm grateful for the unprecedented record of defeats on constitutional grounds against the FDA. And I'm grateful uh, for 
the enormous conviction of those who really made possible things like the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act. I mean, if it wasn't for this massive uprising in the public and insistence on their rights being protected, we would be in a very severe dark age right now where you wouldn't get any information about this except what the drug companies want you to have. We've been able to break that down somewhat. There's still an enormous amount to be done, but at least we had those victories, Robert. And now it's time to ensure that for the next generation, those victories aren't erased by the very big drug companies and abusive power sources that advocate socialism and communism like George Soros and a world government to deprive us of our rights. I mean, this is a time to fight for freedom. And uh, it's, it's good that I have a fight for freedom because to tell you the truth, if I wasn't fighting, I would be a sleeper dead. Mm. I, my whole life is defined by you're a fighter too, Robert. We fight because it's in our blood. It's in our nature to go against evil and to ensure that it's vanquished. But in addition to that, Robert, we fight because we are obsessed with a concept that the founding fathers too were obsessed with, which is individual liberty. Mm -hmm. And we don't want people to have their rights taken from them. And we want to make sure that America remains the greatest bastion of liberty in the, in the world. And in order to do that, we have to deal with some big problems inside mm -hmm. our country right now. Not least of which is a president who apparently is an agent of the communist Chinese. He, we've just discovered information showing that President Biden actually changed the qualification uh, questions asked of those who are detained if they were Chinese. So all these Chinese nationals who came in, in the United States, he reduced the number of questions from 40 to 10 for those who came from China uniquely. Wow. So he, he has facilitated intentionally the CCP's uh, infiltration of the United States. This man by that and many other actions, not least of which is the amount of money that he and his son have taken from agents of the CCP through influence peddling that he, they engineered and, and enabled is a compromised president who threatens our national security. And he's taking down our great country. We have got to stop him. He has got to be removed in this election. And those of us like me who are willing to fight for our country and ensure its survival and success and the success of liberty and the protection of it at home and abroad have to be able to take power or we're going to lose everything. And you know what the greatest thing about taking power is, Robert? It's the declamation of power. It's the example of George Washington. It's cutting off power to the government. Mm. It's using power to get rid of power. It's ensuring that our people are free, that we have freedom of choice, free enterprise, no dictation from those who would like to say that only children of a certain color can advance in society or that people of a certain economic stature can no longer have the benefits of their wealth, but have to have it redistributed to those who have not earned it. This whole idea of Marxist idea that is infusing every aspect of the Biden administration and is uh, loved by Tim Kaine, my opponent, is really at the heart of the destruction 
of everything that has made America great. And we've got to fight for it, Robert, because this is a do or die situation. We will either win this victory and save America or we will lose our country. That's really what it's about. I don't think you're exaggerating even a little bit. I wish you were, but you're not. Uh, There are a lot of factors to consider. You know, one of the things that, you know, our path has been uh, defending, you know, individual liberty when it comes to primarily to their choices in health and bodily autonomy. But that's not uh, exclusive or exhaustive of all the things that we defend and want to see restored uh, as far as, you know, our our. Our appreciation for the Constitution is because it limits government, not the people. And and there are not many people percentage wise in government right now, whether they're in the oligarchy for certainly, uh, but also elected officials. Some even. Yeah. Dare I say it? Republicans that are not Republican in terms of honoring the Republican form of government are founding documents established for us. And yet we still hear candidates of all size promoting this idea that we're a democracy. Why is that dangerous and not nitpicking? Because I I tend to like words and definitions. You as an attorney, you know, words, if you don't know the meaning, you can get tripped up and lose everything. And I think it's important to restore our knowledge of history to realize why the form of government we were given by those founders is worth defending as opposed to abandoning. You know, um, the economist James Buchanan uh, developed a thing called public choice theory, which he got the Nobel Prize for. And what he simply determined based on empirical evidence is that government actors, like private sector actors, pursue their own self-interest. The difference is that those in government pursue their own self-interest at our expense. They don't earn their keep. They live parasitically, whereas those in the private sector can only succeed and benefit themselves and serve their own interests if they serve our interests. The reality of this is very important because what we see is this elite class of politicians, and I use that word elite not because they're intelligent, but because they have been there for so long this elite class of politicians that think you owe them their living. They think that you are slaves appropriately viewed by them, that your rights are unimportant, that their power is all important, that their choice of what to do with your money is a better choice than what you would do with your money. And these things have changed the composition of those who are elected officials from people who were fiduciaries, who held the public trust, who were there for a limited term, who understood it was a sacrifice, and who would not ever think of a lifelong tenure in elected office. Now we have these people like Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, uh, Harry Reid, dead now, and then uh, Mitch McConnell and others who think that they are entitled to be there forever. And that's just absurd. That is a ruling class. That's an elite. That's not a republic. That is an oligarchic view. And not only that, they're very protective of those interests that serve them. And they're very dismissive of those who don't. So you ask yourself, well, why is Joe Biden 
so uh, tone deaf and utterly unwilling to consider the realities of the United States and the, and the difficulties we all suffer. The inflation, the open borders, the destruction of property, the destruction of lives, the destruction of liberty, the Marxism in the schools, the whole CRT agenda, the transitioning of youth, which is child barbarism, abuse. Why is he not affected by that at all? Doesn't even address it. Even though this is what makes the American people live it. Why is it? And the reason is he does not represent us. He represents himself. He's one of the most self-interested, egotistical people to ever hold office. Now he's the president of the United States and he really doesn't care what happens to the United States. Exhibit A, his entire agenda. You don't leave the borders completely unprotected and let any enemy of the United States into this country. You don't give welfare to the world. You don't sign every person who comes in for food stamps and for welfare and for uh, Medicaid and give them free transportation, taxpayer funded all around the United States and let them live in an underground economy and be illegal and just pour them in with no limitation. You don't do that if you're actually the commander in chief. Mm. You don't do that if you're a real president of the United States. You don't do that if you love America. You don't. And so what is he? What is a president who undermines the American military, who allows a nation like Iran to develop a nuclear weapons system by unleashing the resources they have in the United States and give it to them, who gives to the arch enemy of the United States, the communist government of China, gives them access to the American Petroleum Reserve, virtually unlimited to the point of bringing it down to near zero, who sends hundreds of billions of dollars of American tax dollars to China every year to expand their uh, windmills and solar panels, who is enabling China to buy property in the United States, who has enabled China to operate inside our schools and inside American business and inside our government with virtually no limitation. This is a scoundrel. Mm -hmm. This man may be a, a biologically a plant because he has very little biochemical activity in his brain, but he is a plant that is of Chinese origins. He is a man dedicated to serving those who have served him so well. Yeah, we're going to talk in our hour two with a former CIA guy, Brian Fairchild, and he knows a bit about the Chinese agenda, uh, which should not be um, uh, surprising to anybody who's been following along with the way China has gone about, you, you know, usurping uh, the, the, the freedom of, of people here in America. Now, I will say, Jonathan, that we as Americans have to look in the mirror and say, hey, where have we fallen down on the job as well when it comes to freedom? How much of... Uh, the Federal Reserve policies, which we know the Federal Reserve is not technically federal, nor does it have any reserves, but yet it's become the established uh, central bank, much to the chagrin of our founders like Thomas Jefferson and others that warned us what could happen. 
uh, but we've exported the inflation to the rest of the world, including China, that took on the debt, uh, sent us cheap plastic garbage that we really didn't need based on crass materialism, as opposed to, uh, I think, you know, something deeper, a desire for freedom, not just the freedom to buy cheap stuff from China. And so I'm looking at my own countrymen and myself included that we've all kind of partaken in the ease with which we got anything and everything relative to much of the history of people on planet Earth. And part of it is because the engine of free market capitalism, we don't have a lot of free markets anymore, allowed for this. And so I'm not denigrating the fact that we've done some amazing things, but our choices may not have been the best for our future as we in debt or enslave our children to debt that they didn't have a part of. You know, this is a, you know, a story about an additional $1 trillion in debt since the football season started is the way this, this article goes from 33 to 34 trillion that fast. And if we don't bring that under some semblance of uh, control, uh, a collapse, an economic collapse like Ron Paul had, had warned us about is inevitable. No matter how much money you throw at it, you can't, you, you know, these are the laws like the laws of gravity. You can't sustain this. Well, Ron Paul and his son, Rand Paul, have stood for liberty consistently, and they believe in their heart of hearts in the Constitution and in its limitations on government power. And they believe in a country, the United States, that does not destroy the market, but allows it to flourish as an example of the free uh, agency and liberty that we have. What has happened to our country is a, a story of two uh, converging threats. We've had an international threat for a long, long time. We fought against communism around the world. We have an internal threat that is now the byproduct, as I explain in the authoritarians right there, um, that comes to us from very early in American history. And this is the same thing. It's communism. It's domestic communism. It arose in the antebellum South when to justify the institution of slavery, the Confederates abandoned Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence and adopted Friedrich Hegel's concepts of collectivism, that a slave was actually benefited by being enslaved because it was cradle to grave protectionism. They describe slavery as the beau ideal of communism. And they, that meant that they loved communism. They wanted that. And this whole idea of communism never left us. Not after the Civil War. It became the era of progressive politics in the United States that led to these enormous uh, number of people who just adored uh, the Stalinist regime in Russia ultimately, and who also loved Mussolini. We have Rexford Tugwell in the first administration, the first New Deal, who's absolutely enamored with Mussolini, as was FDR. They wanted to create a national socialist state in the United States. They created the NRA, the National Recovery Administration, that was, uh, took over private industry, set wages, set prices, determined what number of units you could produce, and they did this and they would give codes that would specify how you, how you could operate. It was a takeover of the private sector. We had that in this country. We had it in the 1930s. And then <clears throat> when that proved to be totally incapable of getting us out of the depression, actually prolonged the depression. Mm -hmm. 
They then adopted a second approach, which was largely defined by Felix Frankfurter, Justice of the Supreme Court, and that was the administrative state. The idea that you don't have to actually take over enterprise in order to control it. You just regulate it to death. You regulate it and make it a functionary of your political ends, and you determine what is done. And this is the era of the administrative state, which has been a huge bane on liberty. And this is the thing I've fought my entire professional career. Mm-hmm. And this is what I aim to eliminate when I get into Washington. People need to be free. If you want to open a business, you shouldn't have to worry about how much you can afford to pay for Washington lawyers or other lawyers to ensure that you can do something as simple as open a bakery or open a gas station or or open a, a clinic. You shouldn't have to be given the, the constant threat of government intrusion with discretion on the part of regulators over your own personal property and over your life, unless you violate the fundamental principle that Jefferson gave us, mm-hmm. which was in that definition of liberty I've said many times on the show. Rightful liberty, Jefferson said, is unobstructed action according to will within limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. Mm-hmm. I did not say within the limits of the law because the law is often but the tyrant's will and always so when it violates the rights of an individual. We have got to get back to a government that is downsized to do only those things that the Constitution delegates to it. And we have to have all the other powers and all the other rights reserved to the states and people. Yes. Just as the Ninth and Tenth Amendment provide. And we have to make those uh, doctrines and provisions of the Constitution that have been exiled to have meaning again, not least of which is one we're going to talk about in a minute here, Mm -hmm. which is Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution, the state self-defense clause that the great state of Texas has properly invoked to defend its people against the invasion taking place as a result of the abdication of government, federal government responsibility for yeah. enforcing the immigration laws. Well, check this out. Biden's DOJ is suing to stop Texas from arresting, deporting illegal aliens based on the use of the supremacy clause. And I believe, and I'm not a constitutional attorney, but I think so much abuse of the supremacy clause, it doesn't mean it's not a free uh, get out of jail free card for the federal government to do anything it wants. It's only that which is in accordance with the Constitution. And I don't think Texas is That's doing right. anything in violation of that. No, because by its own terms, the Supremacy Clause refers to those powers delegated to the federal government over which it is supreme. In Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution, the very power to defend a state against invasion is reserved to the states. And that is exactly what is being done here. I mean, let's take a look at Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution. We take a look at Article 1, Section 10. And it says, hold on. By the way, you're doing great considering you got a little choppy voice today. Uh, you've been Thank you. I'm, I'm working through it, Robert. Burning the midnight oil on the campaign trail, I know, on, in addition yeah. to all your other responsibilities. I spent days talking to people at the yeah. gun show in uh, Dulles, and I spoke all day long, and I soon lost my voice. Oh. Anyway, 
So Article 1, Section 10, no state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, and so on, and so on. And then it says, no state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, um, uh, enter into an agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power or engage in war unless actually invaded mm. or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. What we have here is exactly that circumstance. It is precisely because the federal government is not enforcing the immigration laws and is not protecting the border that Article 1, Section 10 comes into play in this last section, in this last subpart, because we the, the state is being actually invaded by individuals who are illegally entering the state. And it is in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. So it's not only, if, if it were actually invaded, that's enough. The state has war power. It can arrest, detain, and eject the person. That's under Article 1, Section 10. That is specifically enforceable. The Supremacy Clause does not negate the other parts of the Constitution. As you point out, it is a fulfillment of the Constitution's delegated powers to the government, the federal government. In this instance, this is a power which is now, in, by express terms, retained to the state under Article 1, Section 10. And in addition, even if it wasn't being invaded, if it was in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay, they could act. So as they see people amassing at the border, about to enter into Texas, they can take action. They can uh, uh, produce a military because the federal government won't do it. The state of Texas must. And this is a matter that ultimately will be decided by the Supreme Court. But I'm telling you, if it is decided in the wrong way, mm -hmm. if this provision is not honored as the founders intended, we are in deep trouble because we've got to get rid of all these people here illegally and all of these people who are being brought in by the cartels. Yeah, this is, we, these the are not- that them are the cartels. Yeah. The cartels are determining everyone who comes in and they are terrorist organizations. So, of course, they're sending in drug traffickers. Of course, they're sending in sex traffickers. Of course, they're sending in MS-13, 18th Street Gang, Crips, Bloods, of course. Jonathan, I want to address one thing you said about the, this is a district court case right now, the Western District of Texas. It's called, the case is United States versus Texas. And, um, you know, it inevitably, likely, will go to the Supreme Court. But if the Supreme Court rules against Texas, you have the Tenth Amendment. You have an obligation as a state, even if the Supreme Court, well, especially if they get it wrong, but to look to say they're the arbor and they get it that wrong. Well, right what here, needs to happen is this right now. This is what needs to happen. Every other state in the union comprised of someone other than Newsom yeah. uh, and probably uh, Hochul or Hokum yeah. in New York needs to intervene and support Texas 
and to express that this too is what's happening to them, that they're being invaded and that they are invoking Article 1, Section 10, and that this is the plain and intended meaning of it, and that James Madison used it to evict smugglers from Virginia, and that this is a long, uh, and that's just one example, Mm -hmm. this is a long history of giving the states the power when the federals aren't able or are unwilling to defend a state, the power to defend itself. The state is a sovereign. It is not a functionary of the federal government. It is a sovereign, independent of the federal government, except to the extent that there are expressly delegated powers to the federal government, and those are affected by the supremacy clause. They also bring up the foreign commerce clause, it's called. So Biden's administration attacks on two grounds. They attack on uh, supremacy, and they attack on foreign commerce clause. The Foreign Commerce Clause has nothing to do with this. This is not, they lie in their brief. Mm -hmm. This is not a situation where Texas is trying to determine foreign policy. Texas is trying to defend itself from an invasion that results from the federal government not enforcing the immigration laws and the President of the United States refusing to function as a commander-in-chief. As a result, Texas is doing what it has to do to defend its own people. Has this impacted in in the Commonwealth where you live in Virginia uh, at at all, at any level that there's an awareness of how it's impacting the people of Virginia on the ground? Is is this something that's touching them too? We're talking about five people on average dying every single day in Virginia from fentanyl overdoses. We're talking about a massive uptick in sex trafficking and drug trafficking in Virginia because of illegal gangs operating within the schools. We're talking about illegal alien children who are in the schools who are also in gangs. Now, this isn't all illegal aliens. This is a subset, but it is clearly a part and parcel of what the uh, cartels are doing mm-hmm. uh, to destroy America. It's terrorist activity. And <clears throat> we also have this whole problem of a deluge of, of an underground economy. So you've got all these illegal people who are operating in an underground economy, undercutting the ability of people who want a job, who are citizens, from getting it because they will work for sub-minimum wage. That's why they're attractive to employers who are willing to break the law. They will hire them. I mean, all over in Virginia, every urban area, there are city streets where you'll see the illegal immigrants line up to be picked up in the morning by trucks of various kinds, taking them to do illegal work on construction sites elsewhere Mm -hmm. because they can pay them virtually nothing. Sure. By the way, Jonathan, and this is horrible for them and it's horrible for us not to absolve those who are violating law in that case uh, from responsibility. But the Federal Reserve policies have greatly contributed to the, you know, perhaps the need to find lower and lower cost ways because they can't keep up with the cost of government to fund it. So it one feeds the other that feeds the other. And you see how it's all comes back to, again, government policy. It's a cesspool. It's going is driving everything into an abyss of crime, poverty, abuse. And of course, when you have all these people here who are sex traffickers and drug traffickers, you've got a lot more drug abuse, a lot more sex trafficking 
and you have very little law enforcement. This is what's all the other side of the coin is. You've got all of these far left politicians in the urban areas who refuse to enforce the law. They're Soros-backed prosecutors. We just got rid of one, thank goodness, whose name is Buddha Bibarai, who is a, a, an atrocious abomination of a human being who would not prosecute crime. And she's been replaced now by someone, Bob Anderson, who will. That's a very good thing for Loudoun County. But in Fairfax County, you have Steve Descano, who's another Soros-backed prosecutor. We also have a Soros-backed prosecutor in Charlottesville and in Arlington. Uh, and these people are destroying the criminal justice system. In Fairfax, there's been a 8% increase in crime, violent crime over the last year. People are really worried now. It's increasingly getting through the suburbs and there's no real force to stop it. Yeah. And you look at what's happened to Baltimore. Baltimore is one of the most bloody uh, cities in the world, as, as is Washington, D.C. And it's all because of this massive uh, allowance of criminality, elimination of cash bail, allowing criminals to get out early, uh, refusing to prosecute crime in the first instance, refusing to prosecute crime up to $2,500 of theft. Stores all over the place are forced out of business. This is, this is going to ruin us. We have got to change the direction. We've got to get serious. We have to remove these prosecutors. But we also have to ensure that our borders are protected first and foremost. I mean, this is insane, but it's all part of their plan. The other thing is the restrictions on the rights of the people to defend themselves. That also contributes to the unfettered crime, in addition to the fact that they won't prosecute uh, the crime or the criminals. Uh, Mayorkas is on the record saying that the border crisis is due to climate change, poverty and authoritarianism. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like this, Robert. You can say <clears throat> if you're a complete idiot, but you love yourself a lot and you think everybody's stupid who you who listens to your voice and you're a fraud and he is a fraud. You can tell people things like, oh, you know, um, the reason why we have all this crime in America is because um, there are yellow lollipops that are available and that messes up your mind. The yellow is kind of weird and makes you think that strange things or, you know, I mean, you can say anything that's nonsensical. So what he has just said is absolutely ridiculous. The idea that, first of all, there is no climate change. OK, if there's been a modification, it's been slight. Tell me how climate change affects his uh, criminality. You're going to show me a causal link there? Okay, man, go for it. Where's the science, dude? Nobody has that. I mean, this is stupid. And all the other bases that he has. Poverty. You know what? Poverty can be a basis for petty crime. But poverty isn't the reason why somebody goes into a school and takes a girl, sexually assaults her, puts her into a sex trafficking ring, and then abducts her and sex traffics her for the rest of her life. That is not because no. of poverty. It is not because of poverty that these people are selling drugs. They're rather wealthy selling drugs. It is not because of poverty that someone will murder a person and then murder someone else and murder someone else and be allowed to remain on the street. That's not poverty. And what authoritarianism? He's the authoritarian. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's the irony. Yeah. 
You don't believe in liberty. What you want to do is take all citizens' rights away, all American citizen rights. You won't protect the right to life, liberty, property. What you want to do is destroy American nationalism. You want to fulfill Soros' goal of having a global authoritarian government. Soros wrote about this. He doesn't want open borders. I mean, he doesn't want closed borders. He wants open borders because he wants to destroy the United States. He doesn't want the police to be funded because he wants to defund the police to ensure that there is criminality in the United States. Mm -hmm. It will destroy property rights. It will destroy all our rights. These people, Alejandro Mayorkas, is an enemy of the United States. My opponent, Tim Kaine, has said that he's doing a fantastic job. That's because he's part and parcel of this whole globalist agenda, this whole Soros agenda. These people, Tim Kaine, Alejandro Mayorkas, Joe Biden, the attorney general, all of them are playing on a fiddle that was created in China, communist China. They are answering to a tune from that Xi Jinping regime. Mm -hmm. They are not Americans, in fact, in action, in defense of liberty. They are not. No. I want to talk strategy for a moment. And this was part of me monologuing in the midst of uh, gr another great discussion with Jonathan E. Mord. He's running for the United States Senate in Virginia. You can check out emord4va.com and support him there. Uh, there are many of you, and, and, and I rightfully so say, you know, what's the point of supporting a candidate to go to the United States Senate? Now, for just any old candidate, I would agree with that. We have a, maybe a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to put a man of great constitutional integrity and integrity, period, who, who cannot be bought, will not be bought, whose life is, is shown, uh, you know, what he is all about. And it's a very rare opportunity. Like I've talked about, the last time I was excited about a candidate was Ron Paul. And Ron Paul has endorsed Jonathan E. Mord. There are times where we have an ability to make an impact beyond, I would say, one man or one woman. When they have that grounding in principle and know the Constitution and would defend it to the end and do defend it to the end. This is unique. This is distinct. This is different from all of the other things that might come through your mind to go, well, not again. We got to do another. No, this is unique as an opportunity it ever was and is in our current time. Now, this doesn't preclude us doing a lot of other things on the most local levels possible, which is where liberty, <laughs> it really, it begins and ends in our actions and our behavior, our willingness to stand against authoritarianism, to say, no, I will not comply. Yes, that's very important and critically important as anything. But there are rare opportunities we have when someone like Jonathan E. Mord is running for an office at the level he is that will have an impact out, I think, beyond just his, you know, presence because of what you bring to it, Jonathan. And you know that I speak about, about you when you're not here, about the same principles that you stand for, that we stand for, that we're aligned with. And I just want to speak to those of you who have grown cynical. And, and again, I think, Jonathan, you even understand the cynicism out there. How many times have people voted even for Republicans thinking there's going to be a change and nothing happened or the same old stuff happens? I acknowledge that. You acknowledge that. But that's also why you're going, uh-uh, I cannot sit idly by while this is happening. You know, it's sort of like this, Robert. You're in a house and it's on fire. 
people have already died upstairs. The fires burned through the, the upper chambers and is now coming down. And there are a few stalwarts left in the house. And the house was built in 1776 and was created by the founding fathers. And um, there is a fire extinguisher. It's about five feet away from you. To get to it, you have to go through fire. But if you get to it, you might be able to save the foundation and the first floor. Now, there are a lot of people in America who say it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's, you're not going to be able to do it. You ought to just hang up and forget about it. I'll tell you what, I'm not one of those people, and I sure hope you're not one of those people. Get up, go through the fire, get that fire extinguisher, and put it out. And if it requires you to use your body to protect the rest of your family, do it because this is about the next generation. It is about the future of America. It's whether or not our foundational principles will be there for the next generation. You can always rebuild as long as the foundation is there. But if you let them destroy the foundation, then you're going to see something new. And that new thing is awful. Communism is no good. There is nothing good about communism. Communism is total servitude, total slavery, and total poverty. And it is no future. And to think that a great, great nation, the United States, the greatest nation on earth in the history of the world, all because of freedom, is going to go down because we won't stand up as it's being burnt by a bunch of buffoons like Joe Biden and Tim Kaine? No. We are going to get this country back. We're going to take it back. And we're going to make sure America is strong and that liberty survives because it's what we owe our kids. It's what we owe history. It's what we owe ourselves and our loved ones today. Mm -hmm. There's no question that we have to do this. Yeah. So that's why I'm doing it. Right. This is not fun. This is expensive. This is time consuming. But you know what? It's absolutely nothing of a, of a sacrifice if it means I get to save my country. And that's what's driving me. I am going to do whatever is necessary to save my country. If I win this election, it'll be easier because I'll be within the government and I'll be fighting inside the belly of the beast. And we need to do that. If I lose, oh boy, I fear for my country. But am I going to give up the fight? Never. We will never stop fighting for freedom. Robert and I are on a lifelong mission. This is not something that we chose. This is what we've been driven to by our education, our knowledge, and our love of humanity, our love of each other, our love of the world. We know liberty is the greatest gift to humanity from God not from government. So we will fight for liberty. Always. Yeah. So that is the impassioned plea to all of you listening live or later that it is not time to give up. It is time to dig in, stand up for that which you believe in. And if you believe in freedom, 
if you believe in the principles upon which this nation was founded, and I acknowledge this readily, I'll look in the mirror, I'll look in the mirror of, of Americans, uh, America's history and say, well, have we always lived up to the high ideals? No, we have not. Does that mean we give up because we haven't lived up to them? Really? No, I don't think so. I think it means we got to go, hey, yeah, we did. We haven't done as well as we should. We want to get back to it. We have got to be the ones. I have to be the one. Jonathan is the one. You are the one to make that difference. And I'm not here to give up on that. And I know, Jonathan, you're not. Well, we all have to fight for it. And, and all I'm trying to do is create a mass movement. We've been very successful in Virginia. Everybody who is in Virginia who's listening to the show, join us. Go to my website and become a volunteer. Sign up to be a volunteer. If you can donate to the campaign, do it through the contribute uh, uh, tab on the emortforva.com website. Help. Let's get this done. Let's win. Let's not accept loss as an option because in truth, victory is a necessity. We can't survive another four years of broken Biden and Schumer and and Tim Kaine and, and Mark Warner. We can't survive this. We have to get back to liberty and defense of it. Or we're going to see what's happening now get even worse. The, the assumption of power by communists within the United States. No longer is it just communism at the gate outside of the country. Mm -hmm. We're now talking about people all over the United States who are working to destroy our system of education, working to replace our, our republic with a communist dictatorship, aiming to create a globalist government where your health freedom is at the, at the whim of some idiot who is a bureaucrat who wants to govern your choices to benefit themselves mm. financially for the richest institutions. Limit your choices. Look what they did with ivermectin. Look what they did with hydroxychloroquine. They tried to drive it out of the marketplace when it was needed most. They told you that the only answer was the vaccine, which didn't prevent you from getting COVID because so many who were vaccinated got COVID. It didn't prevent you from transmitting COVID at all. And look how many lives were lost despite achieving some upwards of 80% vaccination in the United States. Over 1.1 million Americans died yeah. because they were denied access to effective early treatments. Let, let's backdate that concept, Jonathan, things we've talked about many times over the years together as well. I'm going to be attending and speaking at the Autism Health Summit in San Antonio, Texas, uh, February 2nd and 3rd. How many millions of children have been harmed by government policies mandating soft mandates, but mandating or allowing for that on the state level, convincing parents that they had no choice if they want their kids to go to school to get. Well, they aren't soft mandates in California. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're solid. They're more than soft there. But the point <laughs> is over decades now, government policies captured agencies captured by industry, particularly the pharmaceutical industry have mandated the use of products that have a great risk and absolve those manufacturers of any liability when they harm, injure or kill by adding a tax to each antigen that was, you know, in the, and, and that has to be turned over. That has to be, and that's part and parcel to what I know Jonathan was doing. It's going to be a busy well. agenda in the United States Senate. Yeah. If we take control, and even if we don't, if I win, you're going to see someone who's going to introduce legislation after legislation to peel back, roll back, eliminate 
all of these government restrictions on our freedom. In the end, what we need is to restore the Republic of the United States. We don't operate as a republic anymore. We operate as a bureaucratic oligarchy. Three quarters of all federal law is not the product of those we elect. It's the product of the unelected heads of over 250 government agencies, bureaus, and departments. That is not the Constitution that the Founding Fathers gave us. That is the administrative state that people who believed in socialism brought to America and are now using mm -hmm. to keep orders open, to destroy criminal justice in the United States, and to replace a free market economy with the Trojan horse for socialism and massive uh, wasteful government spending, which is climate change. We have got to roll that back. We got to get rid of the regulations that prevent us from having $2 a gallon gas. We have to let people be free to choose whether they want an electric car or whether they want a gas car and no stigma associated with it. We have to have people free to choose an economy that works based on their own spending choices rather than an administration that denies them access mm -hmm. to a gas stove unless they're Kamala Harris yeah. or to an air conditioner. Are you kidding me? They want us to freeze in the wintertime and fry in the summertime and have no convenience because everything they think mm -hmm. adds to carbon. By, by the way, if you if a plant could talk and I don't mean Joe Biden, if a plant could talk, that plant would say, give, give me, me carbon dioxide, me CO2, please. please. Yeah. That's how I breathe. Yeah, that's how I can provide food and oxygen for the planet and the people and animals on it. Uh, by the way, the root of all of these injuries in, in, in COVID due to the, uh, you know, the vaccine mandates, as well as prior vaccine mandates, is collectivism. It's the denial of your individual liberty, much less your essence as an individual created by God, not government. Um, there are good people that are presenting at the Trinity Health Freedom Expo. The virtual expo is coming up. Jonathan is also a presenter there. Uh, and you'll have access to all of the things we did back in October at the Trinity Health Freedom Expo. And that's happening the 17th and 18th of February. For 35 bucks, you get three months access. So go to TrinityHealthFreedomExpo.com. I mean, this is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, you'll get some of the most brilliant minds. You'll get excellent information. And Julie Klein and her, her father, um, and were, yes. Yeah. I mean, they were, they have kept together a institution that has provided people with information they can get nowhere else. You're talking about that. It was this group that early on identified the, the whole fraud about the vaccine and about the denial of early treatments and about the misrepresentation of the science by the government and about Fauci being the greatest betrayer of the United States and the history of this country and all of the truths that were being suppressed and all the criticism of the government that was being suppressed. If you wanted, if you had attended one of these seminars last year or even a year before, you would have been given amazing information that would have enabled you to make good choices. Yeah. Because if you are not fully informed, you cannot make good choices. And one thing that Julie Whitman Klein has made absolutely imperative is that these seminars that are presented at the Trinity Health Freedom Expo provide you with information that you can get nowhere else that is indispensable to making decisions that affect your life. Yeah. 
So this is a big deal and everybody should participate. And this is a huge bargain. Oh my God. My goodness. You get so much information in a short period of time, much, much, much more value than you, than me, you know, I don't know what it is. $25, 35 bucks, three months after every lecture. And we'll be doing new presentations as well. I don't know, Jonathan, if you're going to present again, 35 bucks for the whole thing, right? Robert. So you get all these and access to this for days on end. Months, three months. months. Okay. Yeah. So you get to choose whichever one you want and you can choose for a whole month. Yeah. So I'm telling you, this is something that is worth investing in. Mm -hmm. I just wish more people, I mean, we go there, used to be in the old days before COVID, there were thousands of people at this and it's building back up. I mean, Mm -hmm. the last one we had had a pretty large audience and every year, we're getting larger, I'm sure. But tell your friends about it. Get everybody aware of it. This is a critical thing. Yeah. Understand folks, your world. Yeah. You really do need to go to the Trinity School is wonderful because it's body, mind, spirit, and it recognizes and acknowledges that many of the healing modalities that are out there, and they, they all have some semblance of legitimacy. They just don't belong everywhere like the medical monopoly. But many of the doctors and nurses that are coming out of COVID realize the, the limitations of their training and they have taken coursework at Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org. And uh, they are also great supporters of health freedom, obviously. And Jonathan E. Mord's, uh, you know, running for the United States Senate in Virginia to defeat the Soros candidate, the Hillary Clinton vice president, was, candidate, Kim Kennedy. Uh, she'll like to hear this, but it was our good friend, uh, um, the attorney Miller. Diane. Uh, Diane Miller, who... Uh, I was I was thinking about running possibly, but really wasn't sure, and I had not mentioned it. And she turned to me at one of the panels and she said, "You know, Jonathan, you really should run for elective office. We really need you to do that." Yeah. And it's those things that had a big impression on me. Uh, yeah. But Diane Miller's great. Yes. National Health Freedom Coalition, National Freedom Action. These are the organizations that have been standing up unsung heroes for decades where most Americans were completely asleep at the wheel on our uh, the assault on our health freedoms because it wasn't impacting them until COVID. Now they're in and we're welcoming you. I'm not going to yell at you for not being in earlier. (laughs) You're here now. So let's do it. Let's get Jonathan Emord in the United States Senate in Virginia, emord4va.com. Jonathan, God bless you, my brother. We're going to be hanging out some a little bit this weekend as well. Thank yes, you all sir. for being here. we got a whole other hour broadcast healing. And Jonathan Emord, let's save his voice because he's on the campaign trail there in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine. Uh, let's see what do we got. Hour two coming up. Uh, Brian Fairchild, first time guest on the Robert Scott Bell Show. He's got a book called The Hidden and uh, former CIA guy. This could be interesting. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about a lot of stuff, including some of the things we mentioned with Jonathan Emore. What's China up to? Uh, also, the food giants earn an F grade, the grade of F. You know, that's not good. That's failing as it re- re- relates to pesticide reduction. That's been a common theme recently as well. We had a question of the day on sprains and strains and copper. And the homeopathic hit of the day relates to skin issues, urinary tract issues, so stand by for that as well. And uh, more updates on upcoming events. And thanks to the key sponsors that make this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty re- possible at all. And I thank you for sharing the show. God bless you all. We'll be back in a moment. The power to heal is yours.
All right, hour two commences now. We got uh, Brian Fairchild standing by, first-time guest on the show. Got a lot more to discuss, building on what we did with Jonathan E. Ward and the Sacred Fire of Liberty in hour one. And, you know, to sustain the battle for liberty, to restore it, to regain it, to not lose our country more than we've already lost it, it takes a lot of strength, endurance, vitality, vital force for those that you know homeopathy or innate intelligence for those that you know chiropractic. These are not intangible concepts. When you first reach out to a doctor, it's often because you have what? No energy. You're low on energy. Do you stick your finger in a light socket? No. You recognize that you've got to put good fuel into your body in order to be able to function, to defend your own family, much less your own health, much less your own country. This is why health freedom has been the essence of this show. More than even just teaching you from time to time about various remedies that you can use to regain your health or defend it. The fundamental principles of liberty that are lost when we don't have the strength to defend them. And that's a big reason why I'm so grateful for those that support this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty, including, as we mentioned, you saw there at the top of the hour, our friends at Nutritional Frontiers, whether it be their certified organic U.S.-grown hemp products or all of their dietary supplements, including the NRDMG. Check this out. They have the lozenges and they have the liquid, the dimethylglycine. And this first story of hour two, I'm going to get to in a moment, will give you a, a real Intriguing reason why you want the NRDMG, the dimethylglycine, to counteract the glyphosate. Stand by for that. But remember, the RSB15 code works on even on-sale items if you go to nutritionalfrontiers.com. Also, my friend Bobri Oren, who's going to be joining me and many others, I hope you can attend. There might be an online track as well. The Autism Health Summit coming up February 2nd and 3rd in San Antonio, Texas. Thank you to Tracy Slepsevic for putting this on. She's a warrior mom, if there ever was one. And there are going to be amazing health freedom heroes that are with me there presenting, including Dr. James Lyons-Weiler from IPAC-EDU.org. Great institution of learning as well. In integrity and in science is restored. Dr. Brian Hooker, Dr. Andrew Wakefield, Dr. James Neuschwander, Del Bigtree, and more, way more than I can counter uh, reveal to you. You can go to the website. If you go to the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com, you can see it, click on it, and join us there in San Antonio, February 2nd and 3rd. There it is, the upcoming events tab. And as you scroll down, we already mentioned the Health Freedom Expo coming up, the virtual one in February. Following that in early March, the 8th through 10th in Atlanta, Functional Medicine Summit and Expo, thanks to Drs. Terry and Stu Warner. Another opportunity to meet health freedom heroes, people that are not afraid to speak truth to power. They're not authoritarians. They're not collectivists. They're not communists. They believe in individual liberty and your freedom to heal. They're going to be with us the 8th through 10th of March in Atlanta. And then following that, the next weekend outside of Atlanta, Buford, Georgia, at the Lake Lanier Islands Resort, the third annual Next Steps Conference, next-steps.info. Thanks to Tia Severino and crew. We're going to have a great reunion there as well. And I encourage you to make plans to be at one or all of these events that are upcoming. And there's more to add to the mix, including the RSB family reunion in June. There's also the Red Pill Expo with G. Edward Griffin. There's so much coming up. And I'd love you to consider getting out of your comfort zone and attending and joining the things that can happen when you connect with souls who love liberty, who are not afraid to stand in the face of authoritarian tyranny against that 
to defend their rights, your rights, my rights, our rights, as well as those of our children that are here and their children yet to come. It's a big task, I know. And you're not going to shirk from it, nor am I. And I think my guest won't either. We'll hear from him in just a moment. Now, the opening article in hour two is a fascinating article. It just fits right in with what we were talking about. For those of you who have New Year's resolutions and things about food quality, about the ability to be strong enough, as I said, to defend your own family, yourself, much less our country, which seems like a daunting task, but we got to start somewhere. And that starts with you and your body, your mind, your spirit. What kind of food or fuel are you putting in your body? Is it contaminated with toxic, heavy metals, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides? This has been the journey of my lifetime. From zero to 24, being chronically ill, poisoned by doctors, even well-meaning ones. They're, they're taught to poison you back to health. That's all they know. Finding natural medicine, homeopathy, herbalism, organic non-genetically modified foods and incorporating that into my life. And now at 57, heading to 58, having more energy, more vitality, more strength than I had even as a young, young boy, much less young man. It is possible. It is probable. It is inevitable. If you make choices to put good things into your system, that system will pay you back a thousandfold, not only in the energy that returns, but so much more joy that you can experience in the body that you have, the one that you have while you're here. What are you fueling it with? The Defender article, uh, uh, Dr. Suzanne Burdick, PhD, writes this. Food giants earn an F grade on pesticide reduction. Despite consumer demand for chemically free food, that means synthetic chemistry, major brands received low or failing grades on pesticide use and transitioning to regenerative agriculture, according to a new report, As You Sow. This is a big article, and it goes into great depth to recognize what I've been pointing out since I opened the microphone in 1999. This is my quarter century mark. Trying to, you know, Paul Revere it a bit on food. Some got a C, but the average across all of these companies is an F, an abject failure. And you're relying on the same companies that used to provide for you cigarettes that hardly had any tobacco in it because they added hundreds of toxic chemicals, including those that would addict you learning now that nicotine is not addictive. In fact, you have nicotine receptors that can save your life. If you provide that nicotine to them, not only from tobacco, but eggplant and other foods, an essential element or trace nutrient in reality. And they're telling us, Oh, that's the addictive component of tobacco. No, it's not. In fact, tobacco is not tobacco if you're buying these cigarettes from the likes of what used to be known as R.J. Reynolds and now Dabisco. They own all your food suppliers. The more you rely on food from a grocery store in a box that's processed to sustain you, the more you will become in that sorry state that I believe Thomas Jefferson warned us about if we relied on the government to provide food for us, nourishment for us. And then we see the transition of younger and younger people getting sick, chronically ill, cancer and more, and being born ill transgenerational issues, not genetic per se. It's not caused by genetics, but altered in terms of the exposure to toxic components that cause chromosomal damage. Additives, preservatives, colorings, flavorings, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, genetically modified ingredients, heavy metals, you name it, plasticizers. And then they say that we are sick mentally because we don't want to eat that crap. And crap would be healthier. (laughs) I'm just saying. You don't want to eat toxic food? You're orthorexic. 
You have a psychiatric disorder. You must be needing, oh, you know what it is? It's a Prozac, Paxil, or Zoloft deficiency. That's what it is. Or back in the day, Valium, which was, by the way, produced by isolating and synthesizing and patenting a key ingredient of the valerian root, the stinky root that people can take and relax and sleep better. But you can isolate that and make a toxic drug out of it. Mama's little helper. Remember that? The pharmaceuticalization of all life, the synthetic chemistry that is not made for better living, but degeneration, inflammation, suffering, and needless death, even in old age. What are you doing to counteract that? Have you gone organic? Have you become your own farmer yet? If you can't yet become your own farmer, get to know your farmer because they're saving your life by giving you food that actually is food. Back in the day, all food used to be called food. Now you have to hyphenate it in a sense. What is that? Is that organic food? Is that chemically grown in processed foods? You should see the grades in this. They don't, they're not, they might speak a game about, yeah, we want to reduce pesticide exposure and glyphosate and all of that, but it ain't happening. And, and granted, if you're eating organically grown food, you might say, I'm, I'm paying more per ounce for whatever. But what is the cost of cancer? This was a Joel Salatin, farmer Joel Salatin question. If you think organic food is expensive, have you priced cancer lately? Of course, that acknowledges a relationship between these toxic cancer-causing chemicals and cancer, you know, if you're not eating cleaner foods. So, as I said, you want to counteract the glyphosate, the inner DMG, you can get it in lozenge form or liquid form. That is a great investment to counteract what, in a, in, in a, inevitably, we're all exposed to, even if you're going organic. Remember, they desiccate a lot of stuff that you think is good for you, like oats and grains and legumes and beans. The hummus that you like, the chickpeas, if it's not certified organic, you are just wolfing down glyphosate. It's like, just go ahead and mainline some some. Roundup. I know it's upsetting to hear even today, but many of you are aware of it. You've been with me for a long time. If you're new to the show, I want you to see the cause and effect link between what you put into your body and what your body gives you, what manifests in that body. It's the height of immaturity to believe that the quality of food doesn't matter. And I could speak about it in terms of car care for those of you that still have internal combustion engines. <laughs> You put gas in, you, do you look, hey, let's find the uh, the most contaminated gas possible. Who cares if it's, yeah, what's in it, right? Put that in the car. No, you wouldn't do that and destroy the car. Now, I realize we're more than just a machine. The spirit that imbues us, that's you. That's your real essence. But still, if you want to operate that machine, you got to give it what it needs, not what it doesn't, and help the body to eliminate that which it doesn't. That's why we started the detox dialogues, thanks to Super Don, here in the new year. And, of course, the homeopathic hits keep on coming. We'll count them down. Another one today related to urinary tract issues, skin issues, and more, even allergies. Today's remedy coming up. So, uh, real quick shout out to Bobri Oren with Gly uh, well, the folium PX that he brought over from Europe, in fact, Eastern Europe. He was born in Georgia when it was controlled by the Soviet Union. He escaped, went to Israel, eventually came to America. And what an amazing man. He brought the formula that was to counter the Chernobyl level disaster in Ukraine in the 1980s. And that's the Folium products, foliumpx.com, Folium Immuno, Folium Relax. These are the three-pronged approach that my mom got on a year ago to get her life back at 89 at the time, celebrating her 90th birthday coming up this month. 
You want to break through that ceiling in your healing? Consider Folium products, foliumpx.com. Use the code RSB10 to get 10% off as well. Sign up for the newsletter for free by texting my initials RSB to the number 66866. Double six, eight, six, six will get you a prompt and you'll enter your email. And that way you'll be always in the know with the newsletter. It doesn't come out often, but it's important information when it does. And you can also step it up and become patron supporters of the Robert Scott Bell show. Join us with our monthly zoom AMAs also having access to all of the homeopathic hits in video format after the show is over. In addition to everybody gets the PDF downloads and now the detox dialogues and more, a lot more than that. Now with that, what are the threats, some of which we discussed with Jonathan Emord, to the continuity of the land of, well, once was known as the land of liberty, America, United States of America. Brian Fairchild, you've got a brianfairchildbooks.com. He's written a book called The Hidden and more. Served as a career CIA case officer for over 19 years. During and after his years in CIA, he served in Asia, Southeast Asia, Europe, the Arabian Peninsula, and Afghanistan. And he writes from direct experience, and he has testified before Congress, taught counterterrorism, worked one-on-one -on -one with an Arabian ruler, and served as an advisor to Afghan national police officers. This guy's seen some stuff. And he says, storm clouds are gathering. What do we do about it? Let's welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show for the first time, Brian Fairchild. Brian, welcome. Hey, how you doing, Robert? Good to be on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to have you on board. Obviously, uh, many of, in my audience are concerned about even the CIA turning its uh, abilities on the American people as well. So when we look outside of our country for threats, I also look inside and you might too as well. So maybe you can sure. address all of that. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, Robert. I mean, uh, the world, we're in a world of hurt, actually. I mean, the United States of America is in a world of hurt, you know, and uh, you mentioned uh, the threats and, you know, everybody that probably on your show will tell you China, 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 but it's far worse than just China because China has created an anti-American block of four countries that I call the new axis of evil, and it's China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea. And, you know, my brother's got a, a, a phrase that he uses. He says, anyone with a third grade education should know, you know, that blah, blah, blah. So anyone with a third grade education, you know, just looking at the press, you know, has to know that, China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran are coordinating their movements, you know, and taking on the United States and trying to wear us down. And that's that's pretty much what they're trying to do. None of these countries want to go to war with us, but they want to replace us as the, the supreme power of the world. And they're doing the best they can by, you know, by using up our intelligence financial, economic, military resources and spreading them to the four winds. Well, so, and getting to the youth of America and turning them against America. Well, yeah, well, sure. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a constant with all of these countries. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're on all the social media, you know, feeds. I mean, they're, they're using their propaganda every day. And, and China now is going big time because China and both Russia, I believe are using AI to infuse even better from their perspective, better propaganda into our system, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad situation. There's no, no getting around. What, what have we done strategically that has been horrible? I'd, I'd say one thing is Biden, if he was baited into it or whatever, or, or programmed into it to go after uh, Russia through Ukraine, we, the theory was we'll weaken Russia by doing that, but it's not helping us 
at all, I don't believe. Well, you, you know, the word you just brought up, strategic, is a very important word. And to tell you the truth, I mean, the United States, as it exists today as an entity, the United States government has no strategy. I mean, you know, your your viewers probably think, oh, you know, the, the CIA and the DIA and NSA and the military, the Pentagon, Joint Chiefs of Staff, all those guys have a strategy. And when something like Ukraine comes up, they just flip to, you know, flip to see and, and look to see, oh, this is our strategy. Okay, but it, it's not like that. They, there is no strategy. And there hasn't been a strategy for decades. I mean, probably the last time we had a strategy was the old Cold War. And even that strategy was just a generalized kind of strategy that the Soviets were all around the world. So we had to be all around the world to counter the Soviets. But at least we had that strategic mindset. At least we went to countries that the Soviet Union was penetrating. At least we tried to understand the geo, you know, geo uh, politics uh, of it. Yeah, geopolitics of, of, of the situation. You know, why why does this particular country want to do stuff with Russia? You know, the Soviet Union. Uh, why is the Soviet Union going to this area? You know, so forth and so on. So we had that strategic concept. Now, there's not a brain in, in Washington that I can think of that has any kind of a strategic sense. And certainly it's not the president. I mean, the, president, no. the president's strategy is to appease that new axis of evil. So why isn't he going after the, the the people that are you know have attacked our troops in Syria and 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 Iran you know a hundred times you know and we've only you know responded to it a couple of times because he doesn't want to get you know any kind of a bad reaction from that new axis of evil. Remember China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea. Yeah. So what? What's the who's the main player behind all the stuff going on in the Middle East right now? Well, it's Iran as an integrated member of the new axis of evil doing what it can to keep us focused on that area. And then China will have North Korea you know, act up and we'll send a carrier battle group up to North Korea. And then, of course, every day we're trying to do stuff down in Ukraine and we're using up our, our, our you know, whatever resources our we have and our, our 155 millimeter shells and, and that kind of thing. And I mean, that's that's their plan. And rather than have a strategy, a plan, a considered mm -hmm. thought through plan, we just re react in a in a knee jerk reaction. You know, I'm by like, oh, my God. OK. OK. Uh, you know, the Hamas attack. OK, let's send a whole bunch of ships up there and get into the Mediterranean and you know get into the Red Sea and let's form a task force. And then he's not even willing to use it, you know, once it's there. So. So there's no strategy. I think the strategy is to do whatever the axis, as you call them, of evil are doing to weaken America. Play right into the, the hands of those. Well, that's that what he's doing. I mean, in my, in my opinion, that's exactly what he's doing. He's playing right into the hand. You know, and whoever's president next. I mean, if I was going to be on a, a national security council, somebody said, hey, Brian, you know, come and join us. And, you know, we'd like to have your your input, too. The first thing I would say is, you know, Mr. President, Madam President, get a plan. You have to have a plan. And then all the agencies of government have to work together as a team on that plan. And if you don't have a plan, then you're just going, you're just doing knee jerk reactions and using up our resources. So right. you, you actually have to have a plan. Absolutely. Now, let me ask for your wide and varied experience within the uh, intelligence agencies, CIA, uh, you know, concern we have here is, is it, is it turned and weaponized against the American people? Is it actually for America anymore? Uh, I've, I've got great concerns about that. And I know many yeah. of my audience does too. Oh yeah. No, I mean, uh, you know, intelligence, generally speaking over the last, I don't know, 10 years, you know, it has been politicized. 
And you can't have a politicized intelligence agency. I mean, let's just take, for instance, this, the, uh, the 51 high-ranking you know, uh, CIA officers and intelligence community officers that signed that Hunter Biden letter. Well, they knew it was a lie, but they signed it. And these are you know, the, the renowned names in the intelligence community, directors and former directors. Well, once an intelligence officer lies to you as a president you know, or as a people, mm-hmm. how can you believe anything else that person says? Exactly. And, and not, especially since not only was it a lie, but it was a politicized lie. You know, so, I mean, that's what even makes it worse. I mean, you can't on one hand say to the American people and to the, and the, to the president you're serving, you can trust me. What I'm going to tell you is the truth. I'm going to speak truth to power, like mm-hmm. you were saying earlier in your broadcast. You know, if you say that and then you lie to them, you know, and it's a it's proven to be a lie, then why should any president or why should the American public believe you when you do anything, when you say anything else? You know, well, is it politicized this time? Is this really I, your best judgment? Or, you know, sure. I can't trust you. You're a liar. You know, so that's, that's definitely a problem. But even more so than that, I mean, sure, that's great. You can get into that and the whole political thing. But it's just CIA as an organization is no longer doing the job that it needs to do. And we need a strategic intelligence organization. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. You know, you have to have strategic intelligence if you're going to understand the world and mm-hmm. if you're going to come up with the plan, right? You've right. got to know what's going on, what you're planning against, you know, what strengths the enemy has and so forth and so on. So, well, you know, the, the, you know, the Chinese think transgenerational down hundreds of years, not just next year or 10 or 20 or 30 years. Right. Right. And if we don't have that, then how do we uh, plan to survive as a nation? As I talked about with Jonathan E. Moore, you know, one step at a time, we got to reinitiate constitutional governance and people that right. know the Constitution recognize it. Also, you know, look back at the Edward Snowden issue. Was he really trying to destroy America or was he saying the, the agencies are turning against Americans? And, and we need to come back to the original intent of these, you know, whatever the, the, it is if to be pro-America as opposed to uh, contributing yeah. to its demise. Well, let me give you let me give you an example, if I may, if I can just take a, a few minutes here yeah. to describe a situation, a geopolitical situation that sort of describes what I'm talking about. And I can do it within the, the model of the South China Sea. So everybody has heard that the South China Sea is a big deal. Taiwan sits in the South China Sea. You know, China's a big deal, so forth and so on. Well, this, you know, China didn't become now. For, so your viewers understand this. China has the largest navy in the world, the largest military in the world, the largest shipbuilding in the world. It has the biggest coast guard in the world. It's got the biggest maritime militia in the world. And so they have 370 combat ships, you know, naval ships, naval vessels. And when you add the, the, uh, the coast guard cutters, their coast guard cutters aren't like our coast guard cutters. Their coast guard cutters can be fitted with cruise missiles. And the maritime militia that are, you know, actually military, they're not fishing boats, they're military grade boats with reinforced uh, bows so that they can ram other other boats like they're doing in, in the Philippines. So, you know, we have 200, 294 ships in our entire Navy. And some, and that's going to go lower before it goes higher. They've got 370 in their Navy and they, we expect that they'll go to 400 in the next few years. So, I mean, that's a problem right there. That By the way, Brian, we, we've, we've, we've funded their capacity to expand their Navy. Well, yeah. And my point, my point is that 
This has been going on for decades. China mm -hmm. didn't just snap its fingers and have the right. largest military in the world. It didn't snap its fingers and have the you know the most rockets and missiles in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, we watched this happen. And the South China Sea is a perfect way to explain this. Because in, you, you probably heard, and most people, most of your viewers probably understand that China has building has been building uh, you know, militarized uh, man-made islands in the South China Sea and turning them into military bases. Well, that started back in 2014, right? So in 2014, China actually started making man-made islands and people like me and other people in the intelligence community started going, well, hey man, what, what are they doing? You better watch this. In 2015, President Obama came up to Xi Jinping and said, uh, hey Xi, you know, my people tell me you're building up these islands and you know, making them military and all this sort of thing. And, What's going on there? Xi Jinping looked him right in the eye and said, I give you my word, I will not militarize those islands until six months later when he militarized the islands. Okay, so that's 14 it starts, 15, she gives his word that they'll never become militarized. Two years later, in 2018, Admiral Davidson, who was named as the, uh, the commander of Indo-Pacific Command, mm -hmm. goes to Congress for his hearings. So this has only been four years now since they started. And four years later, 2018, Admiral Davidson looks, looks at all the congressmen for, you know, looking at him for his hearing. And he says, I can tell you right now that China controls everything in the South China Sea short of going to war with the United States of America. Now, when all of a sudden your, your commander of Indo-Pacific Command you know, has to tell you that the balance of power has changed in the South China Sea, and China is now the the the, the primary, you know, primary premier, you know, military power in Asia. That's a big deal, right? I mean, that's a that's a big deal. So, were they following a plan? Do you think, Robert? And and where were the intelligence agencies? Where was CIA when this was going on? You know, one of the key things you need to have as an why you need to have a key strategic intelligence organization is because that's the organization that goes to the president and says, Hey boss, we've yeah. got a problem. So hey boss, there's Ryan, a problem. Why, down why haven't they fulfilled their mission? Why have they no. collapsed and, and, and stepped aside while, uh, you know, we are weakened uh, around the world, much less, you know, our present situation yeah. is, you know, they're invading us from the South. Yeah. Uh, perfect question. Absolutely perfect question, and I and I can answer it, you know, with a with a definitive answer. The CIA was set up, Robert, in in uh, 1947 to counter the Soviet Union. You know, we had the the, the bomb in World 2000. War Two, yeah, yeah. So 1945, we had the bomb. We knew that the Soviets were building a bomb. We had OSS, the Office of Strategic Services, back in World War Two, which was a great organization, and many of the people from OSS eventually made the transition to CIA. You, got you know, the controversy about a lot of these characters is that they might have had, uh, uh, let's say, allegiances that weren't purely a, to America, that they were part oh. of a globalist agenda. Well, hold on for a second, and I'll, I'll explain how the whole thing happens bureaucratically. So we had the OSS, and they just basically disbanded the, not basically, they disbanded the OSS. They said, okay, we don't need you guys anymore. We won the war. Great. So then they created CIA and CIA, you know, went for 50 years, you know, countering the Soviet Union, having, you know, a fairly good strategic understanding of the world and the geography and all the nations that were arrayed against us and with us. 
and we created a lot of the, uh, the, the you know, the uh, counterintelligence services in many of these countries because they were worried about the Soviets too. So we had a mission. We had a primary mission, and we were focused on that mission. And all case officers like me who were in the CIA were focused primarily on the Soviet Union and then on, you know, equal targets like Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, and others. But in 1991, the Soviet Union went belly up and CIA lost its primary mission and it became lost. And for 10 years, CIA, you know, like a, a rudderless ship, you know, bobbed around the intelligence world looking for a primary mission. And, and the, the leaders didn't care. I mean, the leaders, you know, I don't know if you remember a guy by the name of Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Mm -hmm. Daniel Patrick Moynihan was a, a, a very key congressman, famous, always on the front page, kind of a flamboyant guy, very intelligent man. And after the Soviet Union went belly up, he went to, well, there's, I don't know if you can see it. There's a picture here of a, a James Woolsey, who was the director at that time, director of CIA at that time. And Daniel Patrick Moynihan actually went up to him and said, hey, Jim, you know, man, you did a great job. I mean, Cold War, you won, way to go. But do we even need you guys anymore? Do we need a CIA? What do we need a CIA for? There's a, there's an end to history. We don't really need a CIA. So that you know, all the politicians, including the president, they all believe the same thing. So CIA bobbed around missionless for 10 years trying to figure out something to justify its existence. And then in September, you know, September 11th, you know, 9-11 happens. And all of a sudden, CIA gets its new mission. But it's not the strategic mission it used to have. It's not the geopolitical strategy of the world. It's counterterrorism. And it's counterterrorism in a very narrow sense. You know, it's that kind of counterterrorism. Well, look at what preceded 9-11, Brian. I know you're familiar with the project for a new American Century report, right? The PNAC Commission. Yeah. And they said we needed a Pearl Harbor event to rally Americans behind occupation, if you will, in the Middle East to establish beachheads, et cetera. Uh, for the free flow of oil or other other reasons. And once again, we, I think, abandoned the mission, going back to George Washington and his farewell address and others, including Eisenhower and his farewell address. Uh, and also, you know, the CIA strategy, you know, of over overthrowing uh, Iran. It was in the 1950s that set the stage for what happened in the 1970s, the concept of cause okay. and effect or blowback. Uh, Ron Paul yeah. brought that to our attention, and then they attacked him as being anti-American as opposed to, I'm trying to diagnose the problem, why we have the problems we have. Some of it were strategic yeah. blunders. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was, a, this was a strategic blunder that I'm, this, that I'm describing right now. Because CIA didn't say, okay, we're going to take on terrorism and al-Qaeda as one of many primary missions. It was the only primary mission. And for 20 years, it was the only primary mission. This is how bureaucracies actually mm -hmm. work. I mean, you can come up with a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, ideas and, and you know, well, conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. But from a guy who was there and in the bureaucracy and seeing what was happening to the bureaucracy, it was just simply that they focused like this and they didn't focus on the larger geopolitical. Sure problems. Well, they forgot about China They because there was an end to history, Robert. We didn't need that kind of stuff, right? So they forgot about mm -hmm. China. They forgot about Russia. They forgot about North Korea. Everything went down the hill. No, you know, Iran, who cares about Iran? Uh, you know, so, I mean, for 20 years, if you were a case officer in CIA, well, you were never a case officer like I was a case mm -hmm. officer. There are different kinds of, uh, different kinds of uh, intelligence sure. work. I was a case officer 
the, the kind of case officer in the in the like the James Bond sense of espionage. I mean, we lived overseas. We spoke foreign languages. We understood the countries we lived on. We never wanted to come back home. We never wanted to come back to the headquarters and wander, wander the paths and you know the corridors of headquarters because what what were you hired mm-hmm. to do? I was hired to recruit spies in foreign governments, to steal secrets from foreign governments. That's what our CIA did during the Cold War. But now during this new this new mission with counterterrorism, all these guys that were paramilitary case officers mm-hmm. were just counterterrorist guys. Right, yeah. And they're the best in the world. And the reason why they're the best in the world is because CIA didn't create its own counterterrorism force. It simply did what we've always mm-hmm. done. They went to the teams. They went to SEAL Team 6, and they t- took those guys right over in the CIA, and they took Delta Force right over. Then 75th Ranger Regiment, the Marine Recon. And, I mean, they didn't just Shanghai these guys. These guys were going to re-up or they weren't going to re-up mm-hmm. or they were thinking of retiring. And CIA came over and said, hey, how would you guys like to work right. for us? Instead? Hey, Brian, another, so another we, thing. We, we didn't lose any traction, yeah. but – but we didn't have an espionage capability. No, but I remember before nine eleven. Now let's go back to the Clinton administration. Remember they started to turn their focus inward to domestic terrorism. Do you remember that? They yeah. started looking at yeah. Americans yeah. who yeah. love the Constitution, and they're like, "Oh, these this is homegrown terrorism," and that kind of reflected a new mission, if you will, to look at the enemy as Americans who actually love the origination of America and believed in its mission, and. and yeah, one of the reasons they were able to do that was because CIA didn't have a mission anymore. So they were able to go look, you know, look for other other enemies. You know, well, so they, they again, it goes down back to bureaucracy where CIA let us no. down by just focusing on paramilitary. Sure. And so, you know, when you do 20 years like that and all this time, China is building its capabilities according to our vulnerabilities. Right. They looked at us. They looked at us, you know, on the, on the first you know, the first attacks we did on Iraq and they said, we can't go head to head against the Americans. I mean, they've got shock and awe. So they started figuring out what were our vulnerabilities. So they became the, uh, you know, the, the biggest and best missile force in the mm-hmm. world and the biggest Navy and all the stuff that I was just talking about. And then they, they figured, well, our first problem is going to be with the, the Americans here in Asia and the South China Sea. So they built up their militarized islands and they built up their naval forces and their Coast Guard forces and their maritime forces. And you see them every single day now using those forces to establish their will in that region. Sure. And we, we have- the president, because there's no plan, right. because this president is a is a president who who wants to focus on social transformation, you know, and paying student debt off rather than focusing on the external threats, you know, isn't going to do anything. I, in my personal opinion, he's seated. Mm-hmm. He's basically in effect seated the South right. China Sea. to. And it's China. been, it, it's so, been a, uh, if you talk about a no strategy or a strategy to weaken America, he's played right into the hands of our enemies. And this is not new. It's he's not the first to do it. He's just the latest. Um, you know, I look yeah. back at uh, George W. Bush, this, you know, this Herbert Walker Bush, H.W., and what he talked about as a yeah. new world order at that time. And then you got the Clintons and then you got Bush Jr. And then, you know, again, under the guise of patriotism, did things that ended up weakening us. And these agencies sure. maybe going rogue, maybe under orders, I don't know, engaging in foreign militarism and occupation that facilitated blowback again. You know, we've got to look at our role in creating these enemies or making them worse. 
Well, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Because we, you know, the fact of the matter is, Robert, we're just, the United States of America just isn't very good at foreign policy stuff. You know, it's just not. I mean, we we got these this this giant country and oceans on either side, and we were never like Europe, where you had to worry about a guy that was 50 miles away from you that might want to come through your borders with tanks or anything like that. So, you know, we we made out well during in World War II, and we were at that time we were the world's workshop. So we were churning out stuff left and right. You know, one carry every month. You know, that sort of thing. Now China is the world's you know workshop. And China's churning all this stuff out. And China's got like 13, 13 shipbuilders. We've got seven. But the, the chief of naval operations said in one, just one of China's shipyards, they have more capacity than all of our seven. Hmm. See, but we allowed that to happen, we, right? Listen, we, we allowed our, our defense Ryan, industrial we, base to We fall. funded it. You know, our policies of yeah. exporting debt through the Federal Reserve to China. They took all that money and they bought up influence, land, resources around the world to displace us. And, and you know, so I can yeah. look and we can point fingers at China, Russia, Iran, uh, in, you know, Syria. All, all these, but well, like we, we were so stupid as to not see that our <laughs> foreign policy facilitated where we are today. So. Sure. And look at where we are today. Yeah. I mean, just what, three weeks ago when Xi Jinping was in San Francisco, he has his official meetings. And then what happens? He goes to the meeting with the best and brightest of our corporate America, you know, the CEOs of all these huge companies. And they not only gawk at him, they give him a standing ovation. So, you know, right. the whole concept of doing business with China, you know, I mean, it's always been if you were a businessman, you sold widgets. It's like, man, Robert. If I can sell one widget to every Chinese in the mainland, I'll be so filthy rich for generations. Yeah. My family won't have but to worry. And they're still like that, the, right? I mean, you get they take a standing ovation to a man who is a documented yeah. human rights violator. He's, yeah. he's committing genocide against the Uyghurs. And our guys stood up there and clapped Ryan, his hand. That's all. President Bush, yeah. word, I mean, not President Bush, President yeah. Biden. Where do you think you're going to go? You're going to go with appeasing China and keeping those guys mm. happy to sell their products in China. And that's what he's doing. Well, this is the, the soulless artificial creation through corporations of uh, a state that doesn't acknowledge the great state, if you can call it, of a nation like the United States of America founded on, in defense of liberty, unlike any other nation previous to it. We haven't lived up to those high ideals and we're in decay. If we continue down this path and it's a hard road to recover it. And I'm not saying we can ever be what we, whatever we were. I don't know that we were supposed to be the empire on the planet. Our founders warned us against that too, or foreign entanglements and other things, but we also have a right and obligation to defend ourselves and to make us strong enough that no one would want to attack us. But then again, to be smart enough, like you would expect a CIA to be to go, Hey, they're usurping that they're attacking us, not with missiles and guns and bullets and bombs, but by infiltrating us and our intelligence agencies and our corporate. So we have been so stupid and blinded that we look at the CIA where you were and say, is anybody in charge? Can we regain this? Yeah. Is somebody like Trump able to get a hold of it? He tried four years ago and it was like, it was too much. They planted everything against him. What do you see moving forward? Well, another problem that, that goes right along with everything that you're saying is as the institution of government sort of disintegrated and became what it was, you know, became something completely different than what it was meant to be, including the intelligence agencies, we all of a sudden became a very polarized country. 
we are so divided that, you know, my point would be that we've negated the name, the, the word United in United States of America. You can't say we're the United States of America anymore. You can say we're the divided states of America. You can say we're the dysfunctional states of America. You can say we're the Trump states of America or the Biden states of America. You can say a whole lot of things, but you can no longer say the United States of America is the United States of America. So, you know, when you're trying to establish policy, you know, the people have to understand what that policy is and support mm -hmm. it. You know, but the people now won't even join the military. They can't even make their own quotas. You know, oh, and yeah. many, many people, many of the younger generation say they hate the United right. States. Well, again, America. this is the infiltration yeah. I'm talking so about. So polarized that there's all these, these problems, agencies, you know, generational problems that we can't solve just by going, oh, we understand the problem, so let's yeah. solve it. We, we can't do it. It's, a, it's impossible. It's a generational change that's going to have to take place. And if we said today, Robert, if we snapped our fingers right now, if Biden was on your show, came on right now and said, excuse me, guys, I want to make an announcement. I understand I was doing the wrong thing. I, I, I apologize for that. And from this day forward, we're going to do the right thing. Our intelligence agencies are going to do the right thing and all this kind of stuff. It would be 10 years right. before anything. The inertia of turning you know, this ship around is. is uh, yeah, you me. can't get a like just say the China capability. What is what do you need in an intelligence agency for the China capability? Well, you need guys who under, know something about mm -hmm. China, who speak Chinese, who have traveled abroad preferably to China. You know, you, you, you can't just snap your fingers and, and tell that paramilitary case officer who's been running around with his M4, yeah. okay, now you're a China officer, and he's going to go, where's China? I've never done anything with China. I'm, I'm this Brian, guy. You know, I'm, real quick, I'm yeah. almost out of time, uh, and I appreciate your insights. Yeah. I appreciate your willingness to engage in discussion on this stuff. Uh, you have brianfairchildbooks.com. You also have, uh, uh, we have a link to your uh, book on Amazon as well if you want to get it there, the Hidden a Griff Harkin novel. Real quick, what's this all about? Well, it's about the, the, the intelligence war between China and the United States. And it takes place in Zambia because the, the, the Chinese are eating Africa up with a big spoon and we're just sort of not even players in the whole deal. The title, The Hidden, refers to a new kind of intelligence organization that has to remain hidden below China's state surveillance capability. And they've got the best you know, surveillance capability in the world, and they're exporting that ability to these countries in Africa and all around the world. So that my my basic premise, and, you know, not just for the book, my basic premise and just this conversation with you, the CIA is broken. We can't, CIA doesn't work anymore. You know, not only is it politicized and stuff, but it doesn't do the work that it needs to do. It doesn't have the proper cover for case officers, you know, to go abroad and do the spy work that they need to do. So we need to create a new service that can remain hidden below, you know, China's radar. So that's how that's where that comes. And and yeah. it's a, an accurate book. I mean, it's a it's a novel. You know, I've got to say a few things about murders and stuff that didn't actually happen. But as far as all the operations are concerned, all the technology in the book is absolutely true. All the intelligence stuff that I talk about and the kind of operations are absolutely true. And uh, you know, so if your folks are interested in you know reading. You know, a novel from a guy who's been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. Well, this is a, a novel they might want to look Brian, at. Hi, Brian. Appreciate you and your, again, your candor on all of these issues. Brian Fairchild, thanks for being on the Robert Scott Bell Show today. Okay. Thanks, right. sir. Talk right. to you later. We'll check it out. Bye. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of layers to discussion. I saw comments coming in, Chris. I see them as well. I tried to hit some of those as well uh, in the short time we have together, but uh, try to be cognizant of all of this.
Uh, Super Don, are we back? I know I was losing connection a little bit in that last little bit of that segment. I know we got a little bit of time. I know. It kind of freaked me out there a little bit. I know, <clears throat> but I think I'm back. And, You're uh, back. We, we need a homeopathic hit, don't we? Let's do it. Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. If you're feeling a bit prickly about now, you might want to learn about the homeopathic hit today being Urtica Urins, Urtica Urins. And you can see that little image that Super Don helped to produce there. It's a plant. Yes. Uh, I think it's sometimes known as the nettles. We'll get into what this is, but what it does is pretty profound in terms of skin issues, urinary tract issues, and more. Thanks to Nutritional Frontiers, Foley and PX, as well as uh, Trinity School for supporting us to be able to bring you these homeopathic hits of the day each day we do live. Urtica Urens, the remedy for skin irritations and urinary issues. Remember, these homeopathic hits are brief introductions to most remedies, hopefully in, intriguing you to go deeper in your discuss, discovery of homeopathic medicine as a way to care for yourself and others very inexpensively, bringing the power to heal back where it belongs with each and every one of you. So skin irritations, burns, hives, urinary issues. How about the origin of Urtica Urins made from the small stinging nettle? Anybody ever, you know, gotten rubbed up by a stinging nettle? You're like, Ooh, I can see those symptoms really quick and they're manifesting quickly fast. In fact, uh, if you take a lot of stinging nettles, because you can take it as a remedy against allergies and things, you might prove the remedy and manifest skin issues and prickly feelings like the nettles are. And so you'll have an indication of what it can be used for. It's been used as a, a medicine herbally and homeopathically, of course, in a highly dilute form to treat skin conditions and support urinary tract health. So key focus characteristics, effectiveness in treating acute skin conditions like burns, hives, stinging rashes. It's also indicated in cases of urinary tract issues such as acute cystitis or even uric acid-related conditions. So there are some other remedies we've talked about for uric acid might bring up again. Mentally, there may be a general state of discomfort, irritability, often associated with the physical symptoms that you're addressing. Now, once again, reiterate some of these primary uses so you get it in a short period of time and learn more or dig deeper on it. Skin irritations, particularly effective for treating burns, hives, and stinging skin rashes. Urinary issues used in case of acute cystitis to support the elimination of uric acid. How about gout and uric acid conditions? Like we talked about rust tox and other things indicated for conditions related to uric acid accumulation like gout. Now, you can use 6X, 10X, 12X, 12C, 30C repeatedly to address these skin irritations and urinary tract issues. Sometimes, though, you might want to go for a really high potency kind of thing when you're dealing with systemic and chronic conditions. I would urge you to consult with a homeopath in those cases. But again, you have safety in utilizing it as a homeopathic remedy. And as we move on down the list here, and this is a document you can download for free at robertscabell.com. Each day we do these homeopathic hits. And if you'd like to see these things, not just hear them in a podcast version, become a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show. And you can actually get these five minute segments and replay them to your heart's content to reiterate what I'm trying to relate to you. So what are complementary remedies to Urtica Urins? You might look in a materia medica and see them indicated, or you might know them and go, hey, it makes sense that Apis mollifica could be used. Apis, the, the venom of the honeybee used for hives, allergic reactions, swelling, and itching. Or how about Cantharis, the Spanish fly, useful for urinary tract infections, especially when there's a burning sensation during urinary 
uh, urination, if you will, urtica urens. Rust tox. Oh, yeah. Remember? Uric acid, skin rashes, all kinds of things. Gout, additional help for skin afflictions and more. And there are many more I could bring up. But as you begin to see the relationship and the interrelationship between these various remedies, it's a fascinating journey to discovery and uncovering what, what ails you and how to remedy it. Now, urtica urens is safe as a homeopathic medicine, although self-prescribing for mild issues, no problem. If it's really serious, you might want to get some help. And if symptoms persist or worsen, uh, please consult a healthcare provider of your choice. Make sure that they're on board with the holistic intent that you have. So as we wrap up this homeopathic hit, urtica urens, a valuable homeopathic remedy, particularly effective for treating skin irritations and urinary issues. And if you would, please keep tuning into the Robert Scott Bell Show because we keep hitting them, hitting them hard. And so hard that you might need arnica with the bruising that you get. No, I think we're pretty gentle and loving with it. Just as a reminder, this is not to replace a doctor. Should you choose one, should you want one? But it's there to provide information and education so you can make fully informed decisions about the health and the health care for yourself, your family, your loved ones without interference by those bureaucrats who couldn't heal themselves out of a wet paper sack that also might contain stinging nettles and they wonder why they're so itchy, right? Urtica urins. All right, we're about at the wrap-up point for our live broadcast, but the live broadcast continues in what we call the bonus rounds. So if you're listening on UK Health Radio or other podcasts that don't carry the full two hours plus, join us at robertscottbell.com or, well, many other places. If you go to the listen link, robertscottbell.com slash listen, there's a live chat room there. Like I can, you know, we comment on, especially in the bonus round, what are you commenting on? What are your questions? We'll hit them. And there is a question of the day related to sprains and copper. Yes, that's coming up. We're going to do that in the bonus round from Diana as well on the Robert Scott Bell Show, where I remind you that the power to heal is truly yours. All right, we're back. Bonus round commences. Pretty intense show today, Super D. Did you feel the energy, even though Jonathan has a little, little bit of a cold cough thing going on? Jonathan was on you know what it's funny because you would think oh well he's losing his voice he's battling some kind of a bug right now you know Mm -hmm. he's probably just going to be kind of low energy it was a complete opposite he was on fire today oh yeah he was absolutely on fire today so I could feel it I could it it was bubbling up through me as well to give you the uh well the intense resolve that you need that I think we all need to to you know step up and do what is hard to do and especially with our two guests coming from the CIA and all the perspectives that he has on it. I mean, he's clearly said the CIA is broken, which no. is not a surprise to any of us here. And there's so many controversies about the things that our foreign policy has done to, to bring blowback on us. And I said the stupidity of our foreign policy has given rise to the, the Chinese empire. And, you know, I'm not into empire. I like the concept. The only thing that kind of, you know, what Jonathan talks about an empire for freedom or empire for liberty. You know, there's pro- promoting that as opposed to being an occupying force that creates the uh, resentment and blowback, et cetera. Uh, So we've got a lot of work to do. I'm not pretending it's easy, but I'm also here not because it's easy. And I think many of us are waking up to that reality that we are here for more than just, let's have the ability to gain a lot of material stuff and live easy. There's a reason and a purpose and a mission that may go beyond that. Now, I'm not saying to overthrow governments and get engaged in things you're not comfortable with doing. I'm not wanting to overthrow governments. I'm not interested in that. What I am interested in is you haven't figured out is fomenting, if you will, 
a terrain that appreciates one of the greatest gifts, if not the greatest beyond our life itself, the freedom that we talk about here, our liberty, that I think is a gift from that which created us all. And that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Some will engage like Jonathan to run for office. I am not interested in that, but I am interested in seeing him get there and I will do whatever I can to help him. Mm -hmm. But it is also an acknowledgement of what we can do in our individual lives to foment or, or, or let's say rekindle a land that appreciates liberty and defends it even in all of our disagreements, right? So that we can have disagreements, but still appreciate the freedom to disagree as opposed to want to destroy each other because we disagree, <laughs> you know? So it's not, oh, a, it, isn't not that the way it's supposed to start. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? I think so. These, that's what they think. Tell you, want you to think, think so. these days. Huh? Yeah. Uh, Annie says, hi. Oh, hi, Annie. Nice to have you Annie back Boudreau, on. Annie Boudreau, the homeopath. Our homeopath from Quebec. From Quebec. Yeah. Yes. Little Urtica Urins from Quebec. Yes. So, right. yeah, anyway, you know about stinging nettles, right? Um, No? I, I don't know if I've run into a stinging nettle uh, before, oh, but I've seen did. some pictures of, yeah. of, uh, of people that have. It's no, mm -hmm. It doesn't look like it's any fun. Yeah. No, it's it's kind of uncomfortable. But that's All right. So, <clears throat> we are in bonus round, but we we have some some uh some uh, business, unfinished business okay. uh from last hour that we need to do and that would be a question of the day. Let's do it. All right, this is coming from our Diana of the Night. Hi Robert and Don. I've been having sprained shoulder issues and take the Sovereign Copper and Alta Silica but tend to run out of the copper before I can buy it again. So I'm wondering if you can tell me anything about the copper water bottles out there. Are they worth it? And, you know, if you've got a pure copper water bottle, that's a valuable commodity because they are helpful. They are beneficial. They can provide a, a safe delivery for or storage for water. And there will be some copper ions released into the water, just like, you know, copper pipes. Now, it's not going to be super bioactive like the bioactive copper hydrosol. But there will be some element of copper introduction. And I know that many places have moved away from copper and are using various forms of plastic to deliver water into homes now. So you don't have that same kind of exposure. You know, there were even copper pots and pans or things like that in the past. And yeah, there there is a risk of toxicity, but it's not a real significant risk if you're storing, you know, your clean water in a in a copper bottle. So there will be some benefit, Diana, but not a therapeutic level benefit typically, especially when you're talking about a sprained shoulder that's not recovering. And very often with the Sovereign Copper, and here's, you know, here's a bottle. I got this one's a four ounce bottle. It'll go pretty quick when you're in inflammation. But the idea is to load that copper in pretty quickly. You know, if, if you can afford to go through a bottle very fast and, and really refill or replenish, there you go, the copper stores in your body quickly, you can reduce that inflammation and help begin repair very quickly so that you can taper down to more uh, easy-to-use maintenance dose, like a, tab a tablespoon a day, as opposed to three, four, five, or even six or more. So initially, flood the body with the copper hydrosol, start backing off as you see the inflammation come down, the pain associated with a sprained shoulder and the recovery. You have the Alta Silica. Remember the homeopathic remedies we've talked about, the Arnica, some Phytum, the Ruta, the Rustox, all of these things can help. And there are complexes of these remedies often for rheumatic type inflammation issues that you can safely use as well. And remember the role of the liver. Why well, I always start with Bryonia, for instance, if you're doing single remedies to keep that 
pathway of elimination clear so that the accumulated waste in the shoulder that might be sprained or strained could moves on out of the body. So uric acid doesn't accumulate and aggravate and irritate. So these are the things that are all related now as we do these homeopathic hits. It's fun to be able to mention these remedies and go, Yo, oh, I know that one. I, I remember that and what it's for and all of that. So Diana, remember the homeopathic medicine that you're not mentioning here. And that includes the use of copper and silica or silicea in that case too. So I guess um, if we go back to her question, yeah, she says that she runs out of the copper before she can buy it again. So she's looking for something as a stock gap. Yeah. So I, I suppose, you know, the copper ball, I mean, you would get some. Yes. Um, so it definitely it's not quantity and quality, it's, but it's you get not some. a bad idea if all right. you're trying to do is, is fill the gap between, you know, when it runs yeah. out and when you get more. But you can also, I mean, there's the things that you can eat too. Yes. Uh, bee um, pollen, high, higher content of copper. Uh, if you can get from grass-fed animals, uh, desiccated liver. This is another, liver kidneys even. Uh, you can have these uh, grass-fed. There are a number of companies that provide that uh, as a supplement. So if you don't eat liver, uh, you can bring more copper in via the desiccated version from those grass-fed animals, clean sources. Uh, those are another other options. And I do all of that too. And I still do the sovereign copper every day, but the bioactive form, the copper one, copper two instantly floods the system. And initially it's an investment. It is, it's, you know, when you look at uh, cost per, per uh, amount of copper, but the ability to get copper in at hundred percent level versus 30, 40%, maybe uh, because it's inefficient through digestive processes, you can overcome that copper deficiency very rapidly. And if you still have that lingering issue, then we got to begin, we look at what what's coming into the body that's still pro-inflammatory or is the liver not working well enough? By the way, copper phase one liver detox. Uh, selenium plays a great role there. If there are heavy metals and pesticides, we just talked about the, you know, NRDMG to counteract the glyphosate, for instance. Uh, also the heavy metals, Cuprum, uh, metallicum is, a, is another way to bring copper in as a homeopathic form. Um, the folium products binding heavy metals, selenium being critical, silica, of course, aluminum focus. But uh, there are a lot of things to consider, Diane, if you're having that linger. Uh, topical CBD, the transdermal uh, CBD that we get from uh, um, Nutritional Frontiers, another great resource as well to help you get past. So, that. I mean, I was just looking it up and, and, you know, here's the thing. Uh, liver apparently is like the highest source of copper that you can you can consume. Yes. Uh, as far as food goes. But That's right. A lot, most people don't like it. Yeah. It's like yuck, right? Mm -hmm. So the, I, I was just curious because I hadn't looked this up before. And apparently the desiccated liver typically contains about the same amount, which is about four to six milligrams per 100, 100 grams of the product. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I'm comparing the two. And it, it's it, according to this, it's identical. So... The desiccated liver as a supplement would be a good stop gap uh, yeah. as well. So it, it looks like, and that and that's good news to me. Yes, because <laughs> right, I, I I've got copper, so I mean I haven't run out, but uh, yeah. at least I know that if I found a good clean desiccated liver, it's a good supplement. source of dietary copper. Make sure yeah. you have good digestion because, as I say, the people with impaired digestion, and it's most everybody, may get minimal absorption of that copper, even from a good food source. That's what people overlook. So if you need to, you know, that's why we talk about the CanGest formula from Jonathan at choose to be healthy.com to enhance and restore function to the digestive processes, uh, doing the silver aloe protocol to recover the gut. Pro, you know, how about, um, there are various homeopathic remedies that can help or an external source of digestive enzymes 
external supplementation to get you through a point where you're not bringing, you know, the heat, so to speak, from your digestive processes and microbiomes. All of that plays a role in absorption of dietary copper. And so we want to enhance the ability to use that, which you're, you're bringing in, whether it be through bee pollen or, or liver and other things. But the bioactive copper hydrosol, the sovereign copper is the most rapid way to get copper back in. Ooh, snap your finger. You may need to flood it initially. Again, more than you'd think. But even at six tablespoons a day, you've just met RDI. So you're not getting toxic with copper. That's not happening. It's just a matter of what you need initially, get over it. And if it's still lingering, then we've got to look at other issues, Diana. And so if you have more to follow up on, please comment, question. Happy to hear from you anytime. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. So that's that's the end of the official business. Okay. Well, now we go unofficial. Now we're in the funny business. Funny business. Good. We need some fun. <clears throat> um. I hadn't mentioned this to you yet, but I, I had a, phone, a conversation this morning with uh, our new website guy. Oh, yeah, Geege. And we got some cool stuff coming up on the website. Um, I'm excited. It's been long over. It's funny oh because, God. you know, here's here's the backstory on this, right? Yeah. Uh, we had a guy that put the website together as you know it today. Many years um, ago now. And then he kind of just kind of ghosted Fell off us. the radar. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I had to kind of just go in there. I'm not a website guy. I'm a radio guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, throughout the years, I've just out of necessity, I've managed to kind of self-teach my, you know, how to navigate certain things. And so the website was one of those where it's like, okay, I kind of figured out how to do this and how to do that, stuff like that. Other stuff, I had no idea what to do. Right. And so it's been, it's just, it's been so lacking. Mm-hmm. for so long and it's literally been held together by like duct tape and chewing gum <laughs> yes. you know to, to, to remain Dude. functional and stuff so it's, now we've got me, a guy by the way super nice like for me it's like a hanukkah miracle right the light was supposed to last one day it's lasted <laughs> seven it's like that's what our website has been not sure how that worked but uh anyway so now we've got a new guy that we're working with now who's been doing web design for like 20 years well, for Jeffrey Smith and the Institute for Responsible Technology, yeah, and he's a holistic guy. He appreciates what we all he's do. He's a fan and of the show. Him. And yeah. so I, I was telling this morning, I'm like, dude, you are such a, I even use the word blessing. I'm not a yes. religious guy, but I'm just like, dude, you are such a blessing because we have needed this for so long. And mm-hmm. so he's going to go and he's going to basically from the ground up wow. uh, rebuild uh, a, a website kind of like uh, Steve Austin. You're going to be uh, faster <laughs> and, and rebuild him stronger. Yes. And yes. yeah, so wow. you're com- coming up yeah. here probably in the next, I don't know, a uh, month or so. Wow. It seems like we're going yeah. to have a completely new uh, website. Uh, well, and, and it's going to be more streamlined and clean and, and the way it should be. And supporting us by listening and especially sharing. Yes. And for those of you who have become patron supporters or for those that you of you that support those that support us. You know, that has made this possible that we're at a point where we could do something unfathomable. We couldn't have ever done before. We were nervous about it. Now, Gij is, is very reasonable, more reasonable than I, you can imagine. What a wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, well, and this us. this project that he's doing here with the website, this is a big project. It's a big time project. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there is going to be an expense involved. But like you yeah. said, you know, it's it's through, you know, people's uh, supporting the, the sponsors of this show yes. and the good stuff, becoming Patreon members. Mm-hmm. Um, just doing a donation if you if you feel inclined to do so, you know, yeah. through the website, you know, stuff of that nature. That that's what uh, allows us to be able to k- keep 
moving forward right and and getting you know in, in improving um mm-hmm. as we go so yeah thank you very much for your support yeah well absolutely what a miracle i, I call it a godsend too uh this is a, a you know despite everything with a little engine that could right all these years and here mm-hmm. we are here i am 25 years later still broadcasting super don with me how many 17 18 of those 19 years? 19 of those years good 19 Lord. years yeah. Isn't that, dude, that's just so nuts. I just, I still, I can't, I can't, that just doesn't, I can't there were figure never, that out. There were never any doubts, was there? Were there? I mean, how, where did the time go, right? I yeah. mean, it just, a lot has happened in those 19 years, but at the same time, it's kind of like, it yeah. seems like yesterday. So is it okay to check up with you in the new year here every day? That, that, like accountability kind of things? How's so, it going? How's yeah, the, I'm still, still hundred percent organic. Yeah. How's the food tasting? Uh, Everything food good? Food is good. Yeah, it's all like I said, still, still hundred percent, hundred percent organic, and I, I'm now I've even switched over to the. Oh, look at that! You got some organic mate. Yeah, I brew this, that up, of course, uh, loose. That's what I have mostly in my, you know, my tea is the mate, which the the, the loose tea, and I have the bombija. This is what right. they do in South America, but um, it's fun if you're out and about to get one of those, uh, you know, mate drinks, you know. And this in particular, this is, uh, it, this basically is like, it's an alternative to an energy drink mm-hmm. and it does have caffeine in it. Um, but, and I'm a caffeine junkie, you know, that I have been for years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm still drinking the coffee in the morning. It's mm-hmm. organic now. Good. Um, but this here I, I'm kind of intrigued by because the taste is okay. It's got some flavoring in it. It's, it's all organic and it's got organic caffeine. I don't know what that means. Uh, what is organic caffeine? I don't know. Yeah. But um, I'm telling you that this here, if you compared this to like an energy drink. Yeah. Uh, an energy drink, if you drink like a monster or a red oh, bull man, or something like that. Crap in those things. It's But mm-hmm. most people drink these things for results, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you drink it because, oh, this tastes so good. I can't wait to drink this. Yeah. It, it's okay. But, um, Usually, you know, if you if you drink something like that, it's just like the, the caffeine hits your system. Yeah. And you're just like your hair stands up and, you know, and stuff. And, you know, it'll get you through the day. So have you um, noticed a, a, a measurable benefit like those things? I have. Well, with this here, mm-hmm. what I've noticed is, is that your hair doesn't stand up, <laughs> but you feel good. It's a gentler thing. And it's you're al- alert and you don't crash like you do. Mm-hmm with the other stuff. Right. I'm really impressed with these. I really am. And yeah. so I'm like, yay, I have a new friend, <laughs> um, you know, for like in the afternoon when I'm, uh, you know, kind of feeling like, I, you know, right. I need a, I need a pick the, me up. And you keeping the cardio miracle flowing too. Oh yeah. I've got that yeah. too. That's over yeah. here too. Awesome. So anyway, so yes, uh, I, I am, uh, accountable, uh, and happy to be so, mm-hmm. um, so far so good. I I'm waiting on my, um, uh, big order from uh choose to be healthy awesome and um right now we we're still replacing things in the house Mm -hmm. so you know we don't have anything that's not organic laying around so Mm -hmm. we're doing that and and um right now it's a thing where it's like we don't have a bunch of stuff in the house yet Mm -hmm. a few staples yeah so it's like for it's like dinner time i'm like we got to go to the store (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta find something that I can make well, for dinner. It's you know? More fresh, less processed, of course. Yeah, and, and that's a big benefit to you. Now, it was fascinating. You're finding these articles, like this one today in hour two. The food giants earn an F grade on pesticide reduction. Yeah, I mean, 
this is amazing that this is coming out. It's like, I'm not the lone voice in the wilderness. Not that I ever was the only one, but you know, that's been a big part of my message, gently and lovingly encouraging, encouraging people to make, you know, better choices about the quality of what they put into their body. And, you know, here we are all these years later. And I think more people than ever are figuring out. And even this article talks about people are wanting cleaner foods, but if you're looking for big food, quote unquote, to provide it for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and that's, I guess, part of the, the conundrum here that you, you find yourself in some, or some people do, some Mm -hmm. people probably don't care, but yeah. Um, Big food would be more than happy to pr- try and provide that for you because there's, you know, the trend is moving that direction. So the question you have to ask yourself is, uh, do I need to have uh, some skepticism about my organic food now? Because, you know, I mean, I, I can remember the crunchy granola thing, right? You know, back in the, you know, the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if you went to a, a health food store, you pretty much, I mean, you could just tell, you know, when you walked in there and you looked around and stuff, I mean, you know, it, it looked and it smelled and I mean, it, everything was, you could tell it was, it was real health food, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, they've got the, the organic Doritos next to the, you know, and the, and the thing next to the cheese whiz, you know, in the, in the, in the, the store. And so it makes you wonder, well, I mean, is this really okay to eat? You know, it says organic. And it's it's made by the company that also makes Pepsi. Um, do I need to be concerned about whether this is a genuine or not? Right. I, th- I think at some point it gets big, and as we know, as history has proven, that you know once these big companies get in there and they get their fingers in this stuff, and it's all about money and about mass production and all this kind of stuff like that, that there's there's corruption and there's lies and there's deceit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think that, I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, it's like, do, do you have to try and zero in on like brands that you know are, are going to be genuine and maybe it'd be kind of concerned about the, uh, these other big name brands that perhaps maybe might be sure. pulling your leg a little bit. Cause how do you know? How do you know for a fact that that is really truly an organic product that you're that right. you're consuming, right? Well, there there are good folks out there with companies or corporate, you know, whatever groups like the Rodale Institute, and uh, there are other consumer related focused, uh, you know, uh, companies or because agglomerations, whatever you call them, that are trying to do a job that like the FDA is not assessing it and saying, hey, what's real, what's not. Even this report that we reported on in hour two today is that. You know, attempting to hold their feet to the fire and go, hey, you guys, you're, you're not doing it. You say you, you even want to, but you're not. And then again, it's the demand of those who are ready to go. You either do it or I'm not buying your stuff anymore, which is a big part of what Jeffrey Smith succeeded in doing with the initial phase of the battle against GMOs. We couldn't get the government to do it because even when Jonathan Emord helped write a law that succeeded in Maine, remember he talked about that? Then the the those who were purchased by those same companies at the federal level, both Democrats and Republicans, passed the Denying Americans' Right to Know Act, Dark Act, right? So uh, the ultimate, let's say, arbiter is what you're willing to pay for or make yourself. And bringing production of food closer and closer to home is inevitably the only way, I think, out of this mess. 
It's not going to be federal legislation correcting this. As we know, they tend to go the other direction and even state level action when the feds then then run roughshod over it. And that was interesting with Jonathan today. And I had the same sense about Texas trying to defend the borders from invasion and then the, the Biden administration suing them on the supremacy clause. I'm like, uh, sorry, I don't think you got that right. You're not doing your job under Article 1, Section 10. We got to do ours and it's in the Constitution. So we'll see what happens. But even if it goes to the Supreme Court and Texas loses, that's where the 10th Amendment should kick in even further to go, you're wrong. <laughs> Try and stop us. So, but again, coming back, local, local, local. Local yokel. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, today is Thursday. That means we have uh, one more day. Huh? What do we got tomorrow? Let's take a look here. Tomorrow is the 5th of the new year. And we have Scott McKay tomorrow in hour one. Dude, Patriot Street, street Fighter. Good guy. That'll be some good stuff. And then, hey, finally, after weeks of, of zigging and zagging uh, and missing Michael Bolden, we've got him on tomorrow in hour two. Where's Bolden? He's showing up tomorrow. There you go. Reporting for duty on the Robert Scott Bell Show. That's a great way to, to wrap up the week. We love Michael, and I know y'all do too. My mom loves Michael Bolden. And uh, the Sunday conversation, have we secured an interview? No. No? Okay. You said you wanted to do that tomorrow. I want to get that All right, tomorrow let's... because I'm going to be uh, de- taking a little trip with Jonathan Emore to help support his candidacy and, and groups that support him. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah. Anyway, if Jonathan asks, I'm going to go, you know, this is what I, I want to see happen. Um, a man of integrity, as you know already. Uh, I want to see that happen. Um, it, it doesn't change everything, but it makes, a, I think, a significant dent in our attempts to, in a good way, reestablish some sort or semblance of constitutional governance in this country. It's one of those things that I believe in. Yes. All right. Well, we'll we will uh, we'll get something figured out for Sunday. I'll see if I can get that arranged mm-hmm. today. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. I don't think so. I think that's it. Unless you got something. Uh, I don't. Just, uh, again, please support those that support this message. And uh, that was exciting news today, Super D. I forgot you were going to meet with him about the website. So yeah, we'll talk I'm more after. To hear more about that. Yeah. But I, you know, part of our limited growth is maybe due to the dysfunction of our own website too. So seeing that, we'll be able to even support the the sponsors better. Uh, and and I, that's what I want to do because they've been amazing in helping us to to do what we do. And uh, you know, it's a great teamwork partnership, if you will, and outreach on messages of health, freedom, healing, liberty, and yeah, how to heal, what to do, things that are available to you as well. And, you know, occasionally forays into subjects that might be uncomfortable for some of you, but that's part of the the nature of uh, true communication. You know, we'll be confronted by things. Oh, I know what I wanted to mention. Did you see the new Dave Chappelle special? I, I, I caught uh, some commentary going on about it yesterday mm-hmm. uh, on Fox News. Yeah. Um, and so I did hear about it. I haven't seen it. Okay. I haven't had a chance to sit down and, and watch really anything <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, in the last couple of days, but I do want to watch it. Apparently he's, uh, he's being Dave Chappelle. 
He I is mean, being Dave Chappelle. And I yeah. tell you, I appreciate him because he weaves a long story to get to something completely unexpected as the so-called punchline. He is the master of that. Yes. Dude, I appreciated it very yeah. much. It was uh, uh, masterful, enjoyable to watch. Apparently, he made he made and what was what they were showing on Fox News was he commented about uh, he was what did he say? He said something like, uh, you know, I, I know you guys tuned in because you wanted to see if I was going to tell those kinds of jokes. Yeah. Uh, you know, referring to the, the hot water he got himself into uh, talking about uh, the trans situation. Mm -hmm. And he says, no, I'm not going to tell those kind of jokes anymore. Uh, tonight, I'm going to tell uh, jokes about the handicapped people. <laughs> yes. Because he says, I love the punch down. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and of course, it was, you know, what did that do? Everybody, you know, started, you know, protesting and yelling yeah. and screaming and stuff. But, you know, tell you what, man, people he, have no, no sense of humor anymore. Well, y'all do, care. I think, I feel. Uh, you're here. You're laughing a lot, I hope. And maybe at me, if not with me. Uh, but grateful to you, Super D, as always. And uh, so encouraged and excited about your step in 2024 to a healthier you and your wife by, you know, putting the best stuff in. You are worthy. You've always been worthy. And it's a matter of us, you know, each of us believing in ourselves enough to do what, you know, once we recognize it's important uh, to actually do the, like what's considered the hard or difficult things yet once difficult now easy that's what you know our, our the long lost pal dr batar is no longer with us would also say right. once difficult now easy the initial phases are the hardest and then you establish new patterns of behavior and habits and it becomes just a natural extension of who you are and then your body pays you back a thousandfold so it's exciting to be on this journey and see what's going on yes sir and and uh with the show as well i i've, I've I, I feel a, a sense of um momentum yes and so we'll see if we can keep it going yeah well keep keep those cards and letters coming in or emails or whatever you can leave us a message at 866-939-2355 866-939-BELL and you just let us know if you want us to play it on the air or not we, we use the discretion we tend to try to keep your identity hidden unless you you know you want to uh let us know there it is leave us a voicemail or a question or comment 866-939-2355 yep all right, man. All right, man. If you got anything else, leave it for tomorrow, and we'll see you here for a, a dynamic Friday show with the Patriots Street Fighter, Scott McKay, and the Tenth Amendment Center extraordinaire, Michael Bolden, and more. So looking forward to that. All right. Have a good afternoon, guys. We'll see you tomorrow.